0: Coming up on episode 102 of Pixel Guide It's a handheld Super Mario vs. Sonic battle. Tim talks video game mission statement. Some exciting classic console news. Eric modifies some handhelds. Do you like fixing vintage hardware? A Trojan horse puts adult content in Walmart. Good tasting beers are back. A free Sega Genesis book on offer. And Cody smells kitty litter. What?
1: Another visit. Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome
0: to Guy Featuring Cody, Eric, and Tim Drew. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Nelson and cody hoffman all right we are back after celebrating 100 episodes we are back to being normies eric
1: yep back to the back to
0: basics back to the basics and it feels good Uh, this is pixel guide and your number one place for everything retro and retro inspired video game related my name is cody hoffman i'm eric nelson and I don't know where we got into the habit of doing that little intro, but it works now, and we just kind of do it.
1: It's nice to say our names. I mean, people people need to know.
0: Uh, so it is March, which is typically um, a drier month for us here in California, at least. Used to um, be. Yeah, we are we are very wet. We are snowy. I've gotten snow multiple times at my house this in the last couple weeks.
1: That that's nightmarish.
0: I, well, i I like it. It's a nice little dusting of snow, although my daughters did have six snow days so they had no school for six days.
1: Wow, I didn't know it was that much up there, but it, I guess it probably really wasn't. it's it's well, nowadays the, they seem to call those days pretty easily.
0: well, no ha- half the students live an extra like thousand feet higher up in elevation than I'm at. Okay. We're, we're on the very bottom, and uh, yeah, they legit me, so I did i I legitimately slid backwards down the hill in my car.
1: Oh no. That's uh, terrible.
0: It caught it. We're fine. I had to reverse slowly down and call somebody else to pick up my daughter from school that day. Um so I get it. Even even a little bit of snow or ice can keep you from being able to go down your driveway. So I yeah. get it now. You know? I I get it.
1: That's why I have vowed never to live anywhere where it snows. I don't oh, like I, snow sports. I don't like snow. I don't I just don't like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what kind of white person are you, Eric?
1: I I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Um, so that being said, it is currently very, very windy and very, very rainy because we're having our second, what they call atmospheric river going through California at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Previously known as a Pineapple Express, (laughs) which is a much cooler (laughs) name for it. Yeah. it used to be called the Pineapple Express. Now it's an atmospheric river. Uh, but that being said, I hope we get through this episode, Eric, without the power going out and ruining everything we've done tonight. So that would be bad. That being said, let's get on with the show. So, quick rundown of what we're going to be doing today. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, you guys enjoyed the last uh, episode 100, parts A and B, where we kind of went all out and made myself very tired doing the editing, and, we, and uh, we, we did a lot. So, back to the basics, as you said, Eric. Uh, on this episode, we are, of course, going to catch up first. We've got ourselves a couple of ki- quick questions, only two, going back to basics. Um, we have an Eric's take. Eric, and what are you going to be talking about today?
1: Um, I'm going to be, I picked four of my handhelds, which I have modded or upgraded in some way and talked uh, about the mods, the, my favorite game on those systems. Basically, it was all about handhelds in celebration of our battle in systems.
0: This is true. We'll get to that just shortly. Tea Time with Tim will be coming right after that, in which Tea Time with Tim, he will share biscuits with you while discussing commentary on retro current state and mission statement.
1: <laughs> always with the, with the, we always come up with the segments that are the snoozers <laughs> at least with the titles
0: by title only by title only yeah. um after that we we do have some news to make sure everyone is kept up on the news and we're going to finish off the episode with the cherry on top that's right six good games uh which is a couple of handhelds right eric
1: that's right two handhelds the game gear versus the game boy And the first game is the uh, Sonic Triple Trouble. I guess the full name is Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble.
0: Yep, yep. Specific to the Game Gear.
1: Yep. And then we'll be versing it versus the old school Game Boy, a game called Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. That's a long one.
0: (laughs) There you go. And you know know it's it's off the heezy because you could hear the alarm going off. That's the sound. It means this is a hot take.
1: That's right.
0: Either that or else you just live near a fire station, one or the other.
1: fire truck just went by, I'm sure, because <laughs> the bad weather is probably an accident or something.
0: Uh, last thing real quick, I just want to make sure everyone knows we are part of the Amigos Network, which includes other great shows such as Amigos Everything Amiga, ARG Presents, Sprite Castle, Our Sinclair, and many others. Um, so check those shows out as well, specifically if you like old school computers, which primarily those focus on. Eric, it's time for quick questions.
2: Quick questions.
0: All right. Quick question. Number one Eric, if you could read what our patron follower decided to inquire about.
1: Yep. His first question is uh, this is from 48K Ram or Josh Ooh, another, Malone. Another hot going.
0: take, I can tell.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's something really going on outside my house. Maybe I should be worried. No, that was the 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 meat wagon as my dad would call it oh, or the ambulance <laughs> this time so um but anyway so 48k ram josh asks do you enjoy repairing modifying your vintage machines or is it just a chore that you endure resentfully
0: good question
1: good yeah that is a question. great question
0: so you i want to answer a, that one first sure i do have an answer for this yeah. um I think... So there's really two... Well, it's two questions. It's really four questions. Right. Do I enjoy modifying vintage machines? I absolutely do. I think it's fun. I like to take something and make it better. I have machines... You know, I'm not going to get into this whole topic, but I have machines that I want to keep perfect and pristine and not do anything to. I have other machines that I would never be able to play if I didn't modify them, so I will absolutely modify them, like an RF to AV mod, something like that. Um... There's some machines that I like. I want to have an original one, and then I'll buy a second one because I want to modify it. I don't want to have... I want to have one of each. Uh, And I loved that part of it. As far as repairing it, my answer is this. If it is a system I received broken, and I can figure out how to fix it and repair it, and it's like a challenge for me, awesome. I get excited about that, and the thrill of making something work that didn't work is awesome. Yeah. Lately, to be completely honest with you, kind of like Tim. I made fun of Tim last... Uh, episode for this he he has a bunch of machines that have been like failing on him lately. Mm-hmm. I have two all of a sudden since I said that, and i don 't even want to touch them. I just want to throw them in a box and ignore them and say nope i 'm mad at you i don 't want to have to deal with you i 'll just go play your game somewhere else <laughs> and I do not enjoy having to fix my games. I want to fix on my own time when I find it fun right It drives me nuts and I would be lying if I didn't say recently that as much as I love my old machines and stuff, I'm starting to get frustrated with them because they worked for so well for so long once I fixed them. And now they're failing for reasons I have not looked into, but I don't want to look into them.
1: Right. <laughs> and I know people that when they receive something, they will com- they will immediately, before using it, open it up, clean clean the circuit board, do a capacitor kit change all that and i think that's really smart i don't tend to do it that way so and I, I don't think you do either um i i can't really add too much more to what you said other than i i do love modifying stuff especially handhelds which is what my Eric take is all about um i love it like afterwards having that big bright screen instead of that tiny dim screen i mean <laughs> I, I love doing that i don't modify computers that much um not really. I add peripherals. Your amiga's it, but... You
0: do like crazy.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I put internal stuff in that, but I don't drill holes in the in the cases and stuff like that that much, but um I do I do a fair amount of uh, modifying. I love the modifying part. The repairing part, same with you. I love getting something broken and making it not broken. But when the whole reason I pull it out to use it and then it fails, that really frustrates me. Oh, yeah. And... um so I, I had something recently that did that to me and it really just, just irked me. Um, it was the BBC micro cause we had some, we had something, we were doing a segment on the BBC micro and yep. I pulled it out, didn't work at all. And I was just like, Ugh. Oh, this sucks. Yep. Um, but I was, it was a, actually a pretty easy fix, but it couldn't, it might not have been. And then I would have been very upset.
0: Well, I did everything like you were talking about to my game gear when I first bought it and I recapped it and everything. Yeah. Pulled it out to play for this episode and it did not work eric it made crunchy oh. noises and the screen stayed black no matter how much i tweaked with a little gamma thing on the side yeah so i'm bitter and angry
1: bitter and Truth. angry
0: i do like uh josh i don't have him in front of me here but uh the asker of this question josh malone did kind of go on to explain that uh you know some people would say, you know, hey, you can't do stuff to an old computer like that because they're that's the way they're made, and you wanted to be true to the original experience. And his point was, Atari Four Hundreds were always modified. Those, things, none of those things. I, in fact, I myself, Eric, have uh, a couple that have holes in the back with like all kinds of weird patches and things in them. Like that's what the Atari scene was. It was people yeah. drilling holes in them and adding RAM and doing weird kind of switches to try to like make upgrades or make it so that when you open the, the lid, like it changed the ROM or whatever, you know? Yep. So that was part now, of the thing.
1: I'm firmly in the camp that if you, if I bought it with my money, I, I'll do what I want with it. Like I do will do what I want. Do. <laughs> now, if I don't like it, like, like, like you, sometimes I will buy two of something. Cause I want something pristine. Like the Commodore 64 is a good example. I have several of them because I want to keep one exactly like I remember it as a kid, but then I have another one with a switch on the side that, turns on and off Jiffy DOS. And, you know, I, it, it, it I don't care what people think. I, I'm going to mod whatever I want to mod and do whatever I want to do. And that's that.
0: Ten four ghost Rider. Uh, second question of the day comes from none other than myself and Eric. I wanted to ask you, have you ever thought about taking a trip to another country for video game related purposes? Where would you go and what would you be doing or buying? Also, what are the roadblocks that are stopping you? Hmm. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. (laughs) That's like five questions.
1: The truth is, um, I'm going to put England aside because I want to go there to visit Tim, but I would love to go into shops and see all the cool, you know, old school like BBC Micros and BBC Masters and ZX Spectrums and stuff like that. I mean, I would love to do that. But honestly, and this is a pretty no brainer. I would love to take a trip to, uh, especially if it's video game related. I would love to go to Japan, Japan. And I've already told my wife that, and I I think she's on board with going eventually. Probably it won't be soon, Uh, but it would be cool to take a trip to Australia, New Zealand, and then stop off in Japan and then come back home. Um, So someday I think I'm going to do that. Uh, And honestly, I don't really even know what I'd be looking for. I think I'd be just looking for things that I don't have. Maybe some like super Famicom stuff, Um, just the, maybe one of those MSXs that are like the cherry red ones, you know, the the MSX ones. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, but I would, I'd save up money and I'd bring a buttload of yen there and, uh, yen it up.
0: I love it. I love it. So yeah, my answer
1: just stopping me right now is just family stuff. I mean, I can't just stop and go to Japan for a week or two. I mean, I, I got too many, too many responsibilities.
0: Yep. 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 My answer is pretty much the same. I want to go experience uh, all of Japan, really. I want to go to, like, super old-school Japan, like Kyoto and stuff. I yep. think it's Kyoto. And, like, go to, like, you know, uh, all the old, like, wood buildings with the, you know, the little e- eat on my knees and the whole, that whole thing. Um, but I also want to go to, you know, tech-savvy Japan where Sega has big old billboards with, like, video games playing on them in the middle of the street and things like that. But... I want to go to the the Super Potato and all those uh, video game stores that are three stories tall and cramped. And you kind of, every time you move, you knock something over, but it's video games wall to wall. And I would just buy all kinds of super Japanese stuff. Um, probably stuff in boxes, probably systems I already have, but the Japanese version, just because, you know... For, it's more about the experience and coming home with souvenirs than it is about like acquiring something at a good price. Cause at this point you're already paying, I don't know how many thousand dollars to get over there. Right. Right. So that's the same thing for me. So, so my family is going to Germany this year and I was like, great. I want to see what kind of like video game stuff I can get into in Germany. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, I guess I'll find out when I get there and maybe our listeners can, can send me over any advice. But the only thing I know that was big in Germany was the Amiga.
1: And the Commodore and, 64, yeah, but both of those, yeah.
0: But I can't imagine shops selling that stuff. I mean, it's not like, I, like you can go to a video game shop, and old video game shop, and find old Amiga stuff just laying around, I, I don't think. No. Uh, that, and I'm also not huge on the Amiga. The stuff that would be in Germany would be kind of the same stuff you can get here, I would think, but maybe in German, with boxes in German. Right. Um, I don't know. I just don't know.
1: Well, it'll be a but, fact-finding mission. Maybe you'll discover the the secret German video game scene.
0: Yep, yep. Now the other th- trip, uh, not to another country, of course, would be go to. I would love to go to the the big retro gaming expo in Portland. Uh, and Eric, yep. we have we have to take a fully uh, a completely adult, mature man trip to uh, Universal Studios to go to Super Mario World, the theme park.
1: <laughs> I would love to do that. That would be a blast. Heck yeah. Because even if we went up there and it only took like four hours to look at everything there, it'd be four hours well spent. I mean, yep. that that kind of thing wouldn't bother me that it wouldn't be a whole day or a weekend or whatever. I think that would be pretty neat.
0: Yep. I want to come back with all kinds of Super Nintendo stuff from Japan that's in like beige tinted cellophane that smells like cigarettes and <laughs> like the whole thing, right? I want to yeah. go play Pachinko and then win a Famicom Mini. I don't know.
1: But you did, that is one thing. Now you made me think about it. I, if we, if I went to Japan, I think I'd want to get a whole bunch of gaming watches. That would be that would be fun. Yeah,
0: but yeah, I know they're they're still you know they're expensive. Everything's yeah. expensive everywhere now. So, but,
1: but you heard me. I'm taking a buttload of yen. Taking a buttload of yen. That's right. And we so, got a
0: good exchange rate right now. The that's dollar right. is that's strong. Right. The dollar is strong. <laughs> Thus endeth quick questions. So. um... We don't have any errata and feedback. I think everyone just loved the last show. So we're we're good there. we are. We are (laughs) perfect. Um, So well, right after a few messages from our show sponsor, we will be right back. We also hear from our patrons. Um, But I think, you know what? We'll also hear both from you, my friend Eric and Eric's take, as well as Tea Time with Tim. And then we will catch up with you guys live back in the studio after all that goodness.
2: You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at oddball, which is at ODDBA1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S A N X I O N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast.com at pixelguiden.com and we'd love any feedback and also please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show
0: we also have a patreon account set up so if you wish to support the show financially you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden you can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high-score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every... Supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And on this episode, we're having a nice little family outing. <laughs> the shrill Mark Richardson, the civil David Modelac, harmonious Scott Partolo, and the jumpy Henrik Lofold. The evasive Roy Fielding and the asleep Josh Malone. All. So the Berserk Adam from Commodore Chronicles. These are all some of the friends we've made here at Pixel Gaiden who have given us a little bit of money. Supreme Daniel James and Wet Matthew Ackerman. So we have the belligerent and Retro Gamer Nation is economic Eric Sandgren is clean Maciej Chase is clean Ram-O-K, okay Parsimonious, delirious pair Mitsuyama's coy, aquatic David Vincent, and the ragged and stiller, periodic Jason Holland, private Mr. Toad. Guinea, Paul Jacobson, Rhetorical Brian, Arsenal, and the peers. Yes, the Fears, David Cavalieri. These are the names, these are the Patreons of Pixel Guided. This is our way of giving back. Sad, but true
1: So hey Cody. Yes, Eric. So I told you my Eric's take is about mod modding handhelds. Yeah, or, I can't wait to hear it. But What would I have done if I'd really screwed up one of my beloved handhelds? What would I have done?
0: I think you would be angry and you'd throw it out your window saying, I'm going to get this thing retrobrided, but then really you close your window and it falls off your roof. Oh, wait, that was Tim.
1: That's (laughs) Tim. Exactly. That's Tim. (laughs) Exactly. That's the old Eric. The new Eric would immediately get on the horn and contact Frank at retrorewind.ca.
0: Retrorewind.ca, you say? Correct.
1: And he mainly does repair jobs on uh, Commodore equipment, Cocos, TRS-80s. But honestly, if you shoot him a message and just say, hey, here's what I got and it's broken, I know he's been a pretty good Joe about uh, listening to you and giving you a quote to try to fix it. You can always just send it to him and he'll take a look at it. What a willing and able guy. guy. My goodness. Exactly. Not to mention, if you're troubleshooting your own gear, you can try the new... Commodore 8-bit keyboard tester.
0: It's a cool-looking thing.
1: I do I do really like the design element of his uh, stuff, the the art that he puts on there, the stickers or whatever. It's very clean and very tasteful. Uh, but this thing looks like a little box, and it looks like you plug in your doodads and whatnots, your Commodore 8-bit keyboards or whatever, and it can measure the resistance on every key of the 8-bit Commodore keyboard. And especially with Commodore 64s, like... You find those at Goodwill all the time, missing keys, and the membranes are bad. Well, it's not even like a membrane. It's the contacts for the buttons. They're bad. A couple of and layers. it is very tricky to try to troubleshoot those on your own. So this kind of thing, 22 bucks,
0: Only $22, you say?
1: Well, let me tell you something. You can get it even cheaper if you pop in the code PG10. You could save 10% off of that.
0: You don't say. So this $22 keyboard tester would be only, hold on. Was it 1890? <laughs> I'm trying to do quick math. <laughs> well, I, I'm I hope that's ad- correct. Otherwise, that's a But only only 1890. Only only 90 uh, percent of the original cost.
1: That's right. That's right. So you could get the eight, Commodore 8-bit keyboard tester. He has a ton of stuff. The Amiga USB HID mouse adapter is another thing. This allows you to plug in any kind of USB mouse into the 9-pin port on the Amiga. So that if if those old crappy, you know, trackball style mice with the balls on the bottom, he, um, you could replace that with a nice USB uh, modern mouse and just use this adapter and bang bang goes your uncle that doesn't bang, sound right. like
0: mum's your uncle i don't know <laughs> anyways if you want anything <laughs> cool to fix up your commodore computer or your tandy coco series computer head on down to retro rewind.ca make sure you're logged in because then you can use code pg10 at techout for 10 percent off your entire order once again we'd like to thank retro rewind.ca for supporting pixel guyden
1: This month on Eric's Take, I wanted to cover handheld gaming systems. I wanted to talk about four in particular because I've done mods on all of them, and I'll explain the mods I did on each one of these. But also another thing I just thought of was that each one of these handheld systems I bought during the course of doing the podcast, so these have all been within the last five years, and um, I've talked about them at various times on the podcast, but I kind of wanted to sit down and cover... All the things I've done to these things and and maybe my favorite game on each one. One reason why I thought about doing this as my segment was that this month we are doing our Battle of the Systems on the Game Gear, a game on the Game Gear versus a game on the Game Boy. And I got to thinking how much time and effort I put into all of these uh, to make them just right for me. And I'll explain what that means as I get into each one of them. One mod that all of these systems that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about four of them. One thing that's common among all of them is I have done screen upgrades to all of these. And I feel one of the things that is really poor on these were the screens. And each one was poor for various reasons, but back in the day when these things were new, They were trying to squeeze as much battery life out of all of these as they could. And one way to do that was to not have a very bright screen. Uh, Also, the technology back then obviously wasn't what it was today. But for me, uh, at the age I am, uh, looking at the screens on these things can be very, very difficult. So I never shy away from doing a screen mod on my handhelds if there's one available. And so I'll cover each one of these that I've done. So, the first one I wanted to talk about was the Wonder Swan. Uh, I have a Wonder Swan color. Um, pretty much, I got this because Cody had a, I believe he had a black and white one, and I thought it was really cool. He got a flash cart for it, the Flashmaster flash cart. And uh, I remember him talking about it on the show and uh, how much fun he was having with it. So, I went looking for one of these and I found a Wonder Swan color. It's orange, which is my favorite color. It's got an orange translucent front with a a clear back. Um, When I got it in, it worked, so everything was fine with that. Um, A few problems, though, was even on the color screen, um, it wasn't bright at all. You had to be in some kind of direct light uh, to see the screen, and that's pretty common for handhelds of this era. Um, So that was the first thing. second thing was which is common to most wonder swans when you get them is that the buttons on the front there, there, there's, well, first of all, the wonder swan has a ton of buttons. Um, But the power start and sound button are these three buttons right under the screen. Um, And the buttons just did not work well. Like you had to press on them very, very hard. And when I looked it up online, it was a very common problem. The rubber uh, thing that sits beneath the button that pushes down on the contact for the button wears out over time on these, and so it was not difficult to find the basically the the rubber. Button bottoms, not the not the buttons that come out of the case, but the buttons underneath the the, the basically the rubber thing that bounces the button back. Um, you really need to replace those and they're not hard and they're very, very easy to replace. It's one of the best things you can do for your wonder swan. In fact, I even though my other buttons, the game buttons on the side, uh, there's eight of them. Uh, even though those didn't have any problem, I replaced it anyway, because once I had it open, I might as well replace it. So I did that. Um, and then, uh, I I got to work on finding a, uh, screen replacement and they're not hard to find either. And they're, it's called the wonder Swan color IPS LCD. Um, usually if you buy them in country here in the U S or somewhere else, you can get it for around somewhere between 40 and $55. Um, if you go on like, um, like AliExpress, you can get them for like 20 bucks. Um, I wanted to go with a company where I could get support in case I screwed something up or whatever, but once I got it, I realized this was going to be an easy mod too. So don't at at all be scared of changing the screen on your WonderSwan. It was drop-dead easy. Uh, and basically, it's basically popping a screen in and then connecting the, the ribbon cable to the motherboard. Another thing it comes with is a little metal Tab that's connected to a wire that you route to the top of the system and it's basically a touch sensitive button under the case that you can hit and as you hit it over and over it adjust the brightness of the screen uh, really nice mod really really easy to do then to round it out I got a flashmaster multi-card. I had to get on a waiting list for this which is pretty common for a lot of the flashcards these days um, for uh, less popular systems um, I was on it. I think I was on the wait list for about two or three months, and then uh, got the opportunity to get it. Got it, and uh, it's been pretty good. The thing with the FlashMaster card is it's not an SD card solution. Basically, you take this guy, you plug it into a PC. Um, it, it just has a little USB connector on it. You plug it into a PC, you run the software, and it you synchronize. I can't remember how many. Um, I'm gonna boot this up and see. I think it's like twelve games or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably uh, maybe 20 games on this thing. So um, y- you basically have to swap them out. So that's kind of a bummer. Now I know. I think Cody got a new uh, flash cart for his that actually does. Um, uh, has the ability to use an SD card and you can swap out games much easier that way. Honestly, I don't swap my games out that much, so it doesn't really bother me. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty okay with this flash cart. Um, my favorite one on wonder swan color, my favorite game is probably judgment silver sword. Uh, for those that don't know what a wonder swan color looks like, you can play it, um, in landscape mode like a normal kind of game system, but you can rotate this and play it in Tate mode. So it has some killer shmups on it. And my favorite one being Judgment Silver Sword uh, is a a fantastic shoot 'em up on this guy. And the graphics and sound are are top-notch. That's probably my favorite. But it has some classics like Mr. Driller. um, Guilty Gear is on here. Some Final Fantasies are on this. Um, A lot of really great games. So that is a really cool system. The next system I want to talk about is my Game Boy Color. Um, When I was a kid, or not even, I shouldn't even say a kid, when I was a late teenager, I had a regular style Game Boy, um, just the black and white one. Uh, I only had a handful of cartridges on it. I think I had Tetris, Elevator Action, uh, maybe Asteroids, I don't remember, but that was it. I didn't have anything else. So I really didn't experience a lot of the games on the Game Boy system. Um I went to my local retro gaming shop, uh, this probably was maybe two or three years ago, and he had a Game Boy color, uh, the Pokemon one, so it's blue and yellow. Um, and he sold it to me for ten bucks. And the reason is is there are dog bite marks in this. I'm I'm I I'm not kidding. There are looks like where a dog chewed on it, uh some serious teeth dents in the speaker grill on the front as well as the back and the battery door was completely mauled it was there but it was completely mauled and it was blue uh, to match the blue back on the pokemon uh, themed game boy color so what i did is i went online and on ebay you can get battery doors for the game boy color uh, I chose to get the yellow so that it's kind of an offset color. I thought it would be cool to have an offset battery back that matches the front panel. So um, it's kind of a neat little color thing. But that fixed that. But it still has these teeth mark in the regular case. And honestly, it just kind of adds some character to it. I, it doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I always think it looks kind of cool with the teeth marks in it. Um, <laughs> but couldn't beat the deal. 10 bucks and the Game Boy Color worked fine. Again... This, um, the screens on these Game Boy Colors are not good, not bright at all. Um, just not very good at all. Um, so I went and got a, another IPS LCD for this and installed it. And once again, it couldn't have been easier. These are really easy mods. Now I'm going to cover one here, probably at the end of this segment that was, uh, A very difficult screen mod, so they're not all easy, but the Game Boy Color and the Wonder Swan were both really easy. So this was a drop-in, super easy. Um, I will tell you with this one, unlike the Wonder Swan, the screen, you basically have, you don't have to, but you... Most of the time when you buy these replacement screens, they come with a new uh, bezel, like the new glass bezel that goes over the screen. The reason is is that the dimensions on these replacement LCD screens are usually a little bit smaller just because that's what the inventory is. So um, they're not full size, but I mean, I'm talking they are only a tiny bit smaller than the original. Uh, which to me is still worth it because you're getting these very bright, beautiful, bright screens. Um, so you replace the glass lens. That's easy to do. You basically just take a hair dryer, You go over it and then you take some kind of, like I have these little plastic toolbars, which are for pulling screens off of cell phones. Um, you just kind of gently pry it. And usually if you use the hair dryer enough, it, they just pop right off. Very easy to replace the glass lens. Uh, th- th- don't let that scare you for changing it. It's very easy. Again, super easy. Drop in, the the screen goes in there. You connect the ribbon cable, pop that back on. Other than that, I always want to do a pro audio mod on these Game Boys. Uh, basically, you put like uh, RCA jacks in this. So there's RCA jacks outside. So I always wanted to do chip tunes on one of these. Um, I have that little cartridge called LSDJ, which uh, basically is... Uh, uh, tracker for the Game Boy. Uh, I always wanted to get into making music on it. I never have, but um, I would like to do that someday. So maybe there might be some pro audio mods on this in, the, in its future, but I've been playing games. In fact, one of the games we're playing for the Battle of the Systems is a Mario game on here and love the screen. It is just fantastic. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, it's a joy to use this. I do have the Crix EverDrive for Game Boy on this, which will do regular Game Boy games as well as Game Boy Color. Um, And uh, I can't say enough good things about that mod. I mean, this is a nice system to basically play whatever Game Boy or Game Boy Color you want to play. So the next system I'm going to talk about real quick is the Neo Geo Pocket Color um, I had two of these actually, because I found a good deal, uh, straight from Japan. You can still find pretty good deals on these in Japan. And I sent one over to Tim. So he got, uh, one of my, my light baby blue, um, Neo Geo pocket color, which is really nice. But the one I kept is, um, here's the, the little boot up screen. Um, once again, and this one, I have to say bothered me the most. Um, the The color on this was, I mean, the screen on this was so hard to see um, that it was almost just a requirement to change the screen um, because the games on this are fantastic. The Neo Geo Pocket Color, um, the games are fantastic. Oh, that reminds me, I didn't tell you what my favorite game on Game Boy Color was because really I don't have one yet. I haven't really settled on any favorites. I mean, I have nostalgia for the basic like Tetris and stuff, but, um, I've played a lot of very cool games on the Game Boy Color, but I wouldn't say I have a favorite, so I'm not going to mention that one, but Neo Geo Pocket Color, oh, so many of the games are so good, I mean, there is, um, a lot of different games to choose from, but there's a version of Neo Turf Masters, the Pocket Neo Turf Masters, which is amazing, um, there's um, a game like called I think Clash Card Game, which uh, the SNK Clash Card Game, which is uh, basically like a battling card game, which is amazing. Um, lots of really really cool games. But the LCD mod on this was once again very easy to do. Um, you just take it apart, you put the screen on. You do have to put another lens on because just like the Game Boy, the screen is a little too smaller than the original. Just a tiny bit, though. But the lens covers up the electronics in the background that you see on the side. So once you put the new lens on, you can't tell. Very smooth install, but a very, very similar mod to it. Um, it, 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 it it You take it apart, ribbon, connect the ribbon, center the screen in here, and then you pop the lens on, no problem. Um, for this, I have the Flashmaster uh, Neo Geo... Pocket. It, again, this one does not have an SD card in it. It has a USB connector. You connect the USB connector, and then you can download um, games right onto there. Um, just it's, again, very super easy mod, and I highly recommend doing that. Out of all of these systems, I would say the Neo Geo Pocket Color has the most bang for the buck in regards to quality of games so many fantastic games on the Neo Geo Pocket Color Uh, you can't go wrong, just get a good uh, get a nice little uh, Flashmaster card for it and you're in business and that brings me to my final um, final handheld system which I'm reaching over here and this one is modded up the wazoo um, and it is also my newest one, I just got this a couple of weeks ago um, or finished it a couple of weeks ago It is a Game Gear, but it has, first of all, um, a custom shell. Uh, I I had a Game Gear, just a standard black-gray Game Gear. No mods. Screen was... In fact, I got the capacitors... I replaced the capacitors in it, and it still had a little few glitches here and there, like the cartridge wouldn't start start up all the time, and... um, yeah, it was it was fine. It got me through to play games on uh, Game Gear when they came up that I needed to play for the show and stuff like that. But I really wanted to kind of go all out, so I got a shell that is orange again, my favorite color. It is orange and white, like a creamsicle, which I really like. And the back is translucent, um, looks really slick. It's all brand new. So I mean, this—if you look at this, it looks like a brand new Game Gear out of the box, not a scratch on it really, really nice, um, blue and purple buttons on it. Um, now here's where I kind of chickened out. I did my research on all the different, uh, screen mods because the Game Gear has a horrible screen. Um, it is really, really bad. So, uh, Basically, I I found some cheap ones that you could order. I think they were from Ali, uh, like AliExpress or something like that, and they were really poor-quality LCDs. I didn't go with that one. The two main ones are the Benven and the McWill, and they're both pretty similar. There are some differences, and you can look those up online. I don't remember, honestly. The I do remember that I finally just made the decision to do the Benven um, IPS LCD mod. Um, And then I watched a lot of videos. Now, the videos are um, scary. So basically, I chickened out because there's some very, very fine soldering that you have to solder to very small legs on the chips. There's probably, I think, 11 or 12 different solder um, joints that you have to make inside. And I did not feel comfortable. I didn't want to screw up the existing game gear that I had. Um, I just, you know, I can do broad soldering, like with larger components, but I just can't get in there. So I found someone that would actually sell me the motherboard with a recap kit done on it already and the Benven mod. And they did that for me, got it, um, put it all together. And this thing is beautiful. The screen is really, really large and really beautiful. I mean, it is amazing how this looks. Um, then um, I decided to do the the audio mod on it, so basically before I put it all in the shell, I did the pro, it, the audio, basically you just refresh the speaker you get a brand new speaker um, connected in, there's some circuitry you put in there to make it a cleaner audio signal and you're off to the races and it it sounds now it plays and sounds perfectly, and this thing from the outside looks like just a crazy modded beautiful game gear Um, also uh, I have a uh, Crix EverDrive for this so pop that in there every game is available Um, it still eats batteries Uh, the screen is actually more efficient than the original one somehow so I do squeeze about another hour's worth of battery out of this I'll solve that by just popping rechargeables in here And now i got Sega Game Gear. Um, I don't know if I have it again with the Game Gear. I don't know if I I haven't spent enough time with the library to really determine if any of my favorite games on here. But um, I will say I found Bare Knuckles, which is basically Streets of Rage and Streets of Rage 2. Um, And they play very nicely on here. Of course, you know, there's not as much real estate as the regular Streets of Rage, but I I had a blast playing through those. There's some really good shmups like Alast and, um, a few other ones, of course, if you like Sonic, those are on there too. Some Sonic games. Um, it's a, Game Gear, it, it's, a very, it's a I think it's a really cool system. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's cool that it's big and chunky. Like, It's so much bigger than all my other handhelds of the same era that, era, that it's actually kind of fun to use them. But anyway, thanks for listening to me chatter on about uh, handheld gaming systems. If you have any questions, of course, you can... Reach me at Podcast at PixelGuide.com, and I appreciate you listening. Thank you.
0: Hey, guys, how about we take a little break? check with our friend over the pond that's right it's tea time with tim
2: Hey everyone, and welcome to this month's Tea Time with Tim. First up, I'd like to say hi and hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the last couple of episodes that we did—the 100A and 100B. Uh, Those were really fun uh, recording. just on that kind of note really i uh, just wanted to say that this month's tea time with tim is going to be a little different um i've got no real kind of structure or anything like this to this one i've just made a few notes um it's been a really busy month uh, we had uh two uh mammoth recording sessions for episode 100 um the parts a and b so i just wanted to try and just kick back and just put a few notes down on paper and kind of like, um, I don't know, uh, do a kind of a, like a, a Tim sit rep a situation report and kind of like a mission statement. I suppose a couple of things have been on my mind really. Um, and I thought, well, I'm part of a podcast, so let's just talk and just go through some of the situations and things that are just going on at the moment and, um, yeah, I just thought it'd just be nice to just uh, just do a relaxed tea time with Tim and see where we go with it. So first up, I'm going to talk a few things about my current relationship with retro and retro gaming. Um, my motivation with retro, um, certainly for the last few months, has been really difficult, I think. Um... The podcast is obviously a big motivator for me, um, and I still get a kick and really enjoy doing the podcast with Eric and Cody. And obviously, it's uh, it's important for me to keep up with uh, with you guys, all the listeners, and all that sort of stuff as well. So I'm really still enjoying all that side of things, um, and I enjoy playing games for the podcast. Um, but it's kind of like the the day to day minutiae, I suppose, of just. Um, sitting in the loft space that i've got with all my retro stuff and i guess it's really difficult because i've just got so much stuff that sometimes you just sit there and you just don't know where to begin um what do you want to play what do you want to what do you want to use um so I, it's an embarrassment of riches i suppose in a way um first world problem um but sometimes it's just really difficult to just have that spark and and find new things to do and new things to play on and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's, there's other machines that I've got that I haven't really explored. um, But sometimes it's just really difficult when you've just had a long, busy day and everything family's going on and uh, all the stuff in the in the world at the moment is kicking off. Um, And uh, sometimes it's hard to find that motivation to just really just kick into gear and just start playing about with retro stuff and start new projects so that's a a difficult thing for me at the moment is to really find that motivation perhaps that I had sort of like four or five years ago when everything was kind of like new again with retro and if that makes sense Um, and you're rediscovering some of the things of the past Um, and I think talking to a few people recently I think a lot of people are feeling Uh, I don't know. Um, what's the right word for it? (laughs) An apathy or, um, a a slightly lethargic feeling again towards retro sides of things. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one for me to really define. Um, but it's just something I've been feeling over the last three or four months. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm sure there's things that will come along um, that uh, that that spark that interest again. Another thing that happened recently, or well, fairly recently, I suppose. Um, uh, I'm recording this in um, beginning of March 2023, um, and in October, I think it was 2022, I decided to um, leave Twitter. I think a lot of a lot of people have kind of made that decision uh, based on. Um the comings and goings of mr musk Elon Musk and uh, acquiring the the site and all the uh just stuff that's been going on there I don't want to get political um but um yeah, so it was a big decision for me uh coming off of twitter uh been on there many years uh got lots of friends that I interact with and um followers on there um and I just thought it was kind of time, really. the the whole Twitter thing for me was turning into more of a negative situation than a positive. So it was, I wouldn't say affecting my mental health, but I think I think it was time um, to to cut the cord, as it were. Uh, so I moved across over onto Mastodon. Uh, quite a few people did that, and. The good thing is, is a lot of people um, who jumped from Twitter moved into the same space um, on Mastodon. So i am still got contact with the majority of people that I had contact with on Twitter. Um, but the, the timeline is a much more calm and relaxed place. Um, So that's really my reasoning for coming off of Twitter. I I just didn't want to see all the stuff that was going on there. um, And I knew that the feed was just going to get worse. The algorithm or whatever was going to get altered. And it was time to come off of Twitter. Um, So I've moved over onto Mastodon. Um, If you haven't done that yet, I would kind of recommend it. Um, Even just running the two alongside each other for a while. Um, My uh, handle on uh, Mastodon is Sanxion at oldbytes.space. So if you do venture over onto Mastodon, please do give me a follow and uh, I'll obviously do the same back and it'll be nice to see you over there. So the next thing I want to cover quickly um, is really sort of like about The One of the main motivations with retro, I guess, is uh, collecting and getting, reacquiring the stuff that you either had when you were younger or that you always wanted to, um, but kind of never had the money and the wherewithal at the time. Um, And perhaps in some cases, when I certainly was first starting to collect, things were an awful lot cheaper uh, because obviously nobody really wanted those things at the time. Um, I've... I I would consider myself a collector, um to a degree, but I, I kind of always have been. Um even when retro wasn't retro, I was still sort of like stockpiling some things, probably mostly amigas, based on my big collection of amiga stuff that I really do need to thin down at some stage. Um but I think that was one of my biggest things was uh uh, like back in the early 2000s, I suppose it was, I think I've mentioned it on the show a few times where I would obviously go to things like car boot sales and, um, hear word of mouth of certain things coming up. Um, and, and just bargained really at the time. Um, and now with the prices obviously of how they have been, um, and I'll kind of touch on that in the next point. Um, it's obviously getting harder to collect certain things. Um, And also it's just like having the motivation and also the room to store all this stuff. Um, Not all of us are unfortunately are lucky like Cody to have literally a house where he can house his collection. Um, You know, I'm I'm not lucky enough to have that side of things. I've just got a loft space upstairs and um, quite often that gets overrun with stuff. So I really do need to start, looking at thinning it thinning things out at some stage um but it's just hard because you you realize that once you've sold it you get that seller's regret i guess and knowing that if you do need to replace that at some stage um it's going to be more expensive to do um than when you first bought some of these items and that kind of really moves me on to my next point is the prices and the fluctuations that are out there in the market at the moment um i think Uh, there is a degree of interest I suppose again waning in some of the retro stuff um, and I have seen that recently in some of the prices um, that have been on eBay and there's a couple of things that I'll probably get to in catching up this month, um, things that I've managed to acquire, I shouldn't really should, shouldn't should be buying any more stuff but sometimes things comes along and you, you just can't resist them um, but yeah I think the fr- prices are fluctuating a fair bit out there now and I think some things are starting to come back down again, um, I wouldn't say things like Amiga CD32s and Amiga 1200s they seem to be still going really strong out there at the moment Um, but uh, yeah there there are a few one or two bargains to be picked up again now Um, and I think again maybe that's people finding the similar sort of situation to me whereas they're either having to thin out their collection or maybe they're just generally losing that spark that interest again perhaps um maybe the the retro bug is starting to wane a bit out there so that leaves me kind of neatly on really to my last bit in the in my current relationship with retro i guess the the whole cutting back theme um it's it's a double edged sword, I suppose it's it's good in the fact that if you cut back on what you're doing, you're not spending out the money um, and you haven't got that justification loop with <laughs> your nearest and dearest of when you've spent a whole chunk of money and thinking, oh, blimey. Now I've got another retro bit that I need to justify, um, but also cutting back, I think, is is um not quite so good for for myself with with the podcast um part of my motivation is obviously to to get new and interesting things to talk about um and if you're cutting back on your uh, acquisitions it's always difficult to find um new subjects and new things to talk about um but uh yeah i think it's it's something that i've definitely been doing recently um And uh, I I think it's good in in a way um, that it helps you kind of focus on what you've got um, and start looking around for things within your current setup and collection um, that you can look at and perhaps jobs or projects that you've put aside for a while um, because there's always something new and shiny that comes along. Um, Maybe now it's time to concentrate on that um, box of broken dreams. So with all that being said, um, let's move on to the next kind of section, I suppose. And that's my personal goals for the podcast. Um, Let's run through these relatively quick because I'm conscious of time on this at the moment. Um, But I guess there are a few things that I'd like to do. Uh, With the podcast, um, especially with the Tea Time with Tim section, um, I'd like to get back into uh, more technical things. I'd like to get some more deep dives um, on systems. Um, So if anyone has any suggestions, I'm more than willing to... um, uh, look into things, um, if people want to make any suggestions. So I'd really appreciate that. Um, obviously hit us up on our usual thing so you can uh, get me on Mastodon on the address I mentioned earlier, sanction at old space. Um, you can email us on the, uh, pixel guidance, uh, e- podcast email, which is, uh, podcast at pixelguiden dot com. um, and you can also uh, drop me a message in Discord if you're one of our wonderful Patreons. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to start doing um, some more technical things for Tea Time with Tim. Uh, trouble is, again, it kind of like all, all comes down to that old thing of time, I guess, really. Um, finding the right subject and then getting, getting some good old research done into it. Um, but uh, I do enjoy doing those. Uh, next thing I want to do is kind of get back to doing some more interviews. Uh, recently, uh, myself and Eric did for episode 100, we did a Patreon special. Uh, we had some, uh, some of our wonderful patrons on and uh, we also had Frank from our wonderful sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Um, and uh, that, that was good fun. Uh, just just sitting there and just like talking with with everyone and just catching up and and going through um a few questions and bits and pieces and having a beer together um so yeah i'd I'd like to get some more interviews done um so if anyone's interested listening out there whether you be a a, a listener um as in like a patreon or perhaps if you're um one of our wonderful listeners who uh, does uh, programming or anything kind of like involved with the hobby. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'd love, you know, perhaps we can arrange something and have a chat at some stage um, and come on tea time with Tim on the podcast. The other thing that is really something I need to move on, uh, we haven't done a lot of YouTube stuff recently. um, So I think that's important that we start to build up a bit more momentum in that. Um, I'd like to do, I've got a few ideas for a few videos. um, But again, I keep going on about this. It's it's all down to time. Um, The podcast is quite a, quite a, um, a time consuming thing at, at stages of the month um, so to get that and the YouTube videos it all in together unless I kind of tie it in with Tea Time with Tim which I have done in the past um, but there are a few other things I'd like to do um, and maybe at some stage perhaps go back to some Twitch streaming so that's it for this month's Tea Time with Tim see you on the next one
0: We are back live in the studio, Eric. Really enjoyed those segments. Yes. But what I enjoyed even more is the fact that we just kind of thought back on it and during the advertisement, you said Bang's your uncle? <laughs> I said bang goes your uncle. <laughs> bang goes your uncle. It's that like Pop Goes the Weasel. <laughs> bang Something goes like your that. uncle. I-
1: I really screwed that up, yeah. That's all right
0: because in, in that short period of time off, we we spent five minutes trying to figure out what the actual saying was. It wasn't coming to us, but it's Bob's your uncle.
1: Bob's your uncle, yep. Oh, Which is well.
0: still, apparently, Eric, it is a British informal used to say that something is easy to do or use. Just complete the form, pay the fee, and Bob's your uncle.
1: Yeah, and I used to say that all the time. I just haven't said it in a while, so I was a little rusty I said the wrong thing. <laughs>
0: Well, not the problem is we don't have any beer yet. So let's go ahead and take care of that. Exactly. So unfortunately, things be crazy, Eric. And uh, we were not able to get together to, uh, to match up our beers for tonight's evening. True. Tonight's evening, this evening's night um, for the recording. So we are completely unaware of what we're going to be sipping on here separately, but equally. So go ahead and let me know what you uh, what you got there while I uh, crack open what I got over here.
1: Yep. So I went and got an early bird, which is from Coronado Brewing Company. Um Ooh, that's this a good brew company. Is a French toast milk stout. That sounds very Eric. Yes, it does. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, mine, once again, Eric, is stuff that I found left over in my fridge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, so, this should just be a returning segment. <laughs> leftovers from Cody's fridge.
0: What did Cody find in the back of his fridge? So my parents were nice enough to come over and watch my girls. Oh so nice. So my wife and I can have a nice uh 40th birthday party, which just happened, by the way, a few days ago. So oh, I'm happy big, birthday. I'm the big four-o now. And uh so we went with some friends into what I'm gonna call the city, but the city is like six thousand people. Um and uh, my, my dad and my mom love drinking these things. So I found after they left, they had left a Trummer Pills. Oh, yeah. From Germany. Dude. It's a light German lager, although they make it here as well in Berkeley, California, but it's still the same German lager.
1: Dude, that honestly, that's one of my favorite beers. Really? I do. Yeah, I, I used to get it all the time. I have to have one probably in about three or four months, but I love Trumor Pills.
0: I find it, well, I'll, I'll let you know how I find it in just okay. a little bit here. So right now, I am actually pointing out my Leatherman from my desk, because I know this thing's got a bottle opener on it. I don't do a lot well, of bottles anymore, Eric.
1: No, no, I, I me, me either. It's mostly cans. So mine is a French toast milk stout. Milk stout brewed with maple syrup, coffee, cinnamon, and natural flavors. Love them natural flavors. Seven percent alcohol by volume. Oof.
0: I can't believe this thing oh wow, really? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this thing doesn't have a true bottle opener on it. Interesting.
1: Uh oh. Do you need to take look- a time out, or you no, want me to has- sit mine and start talking about it while you figure that out?
0: It has a can opener. I know this thing's a can opener, not a bottle opener, but it looks similar, so it should be able to make it work.
1: I bet you could do it.
0: We'll get there. We'll get there. So yeah, what do you get what do you taste in there?
1: All right, well, I haven't sipped it yet, so let me try that out here.
0: There we go.
1: Holy crap! That really tastes like French toast.
0: <laughs> Does it really?
1: <laughs> oh man, it tastes. You can totally taste the the maple syrup up front, in a good way. Uh, I'm gonna have to sit with it for a moment. Uh oh. Okay. Ooh, it is, I mean, it is. There. I don't think this would be very Cody friendly because it is. It's 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 it slaps you in the face with sugary sweet stuff.
0: Makes you want to slap your mama. Um, well, well, I will be able to enjoy that with you shortly because I'm going to be honest. You know, I've been on my incense rant l- lately. <laughs> yeah, I got. A Japanese- I, I saw
1: the smoke billowing in the background.
0: <laughs> I got a Japanese incense here, and when it, you light it, it smells exactly like French toast. So oh, wow. I'll, have, so you- I'll have that going here in just a second as well. But okay, I know it's late, Eric, but nonetheless, cheers, my friend. Cheers. Mm.
1: This one's growing on me the more I take little sips of it. So I think it's going to settle in quite nicely for me.
0: Quite nice. All right. Well, what about you? My my Tremor's Pills is a Tremor Pills. Um, Yeah. It is a very, very crisp. Yep. Only almost painfully light, painfully crisp. Um, Just, I don't know how to explain it except for. Super clean and crisp
1: Not to, um, and I don't want to step on your beer But one thing I really enjoy about Trimmer Pills Is it does have a very slight Smoky taste to it
0: Smoky? I'm not pick. okay let me try again Hold on here
1: There's a tiny bit, there's a little tiny smoky flavor to it It's it's not, it's not It doesn't hit you in the face But it's very subtle
0: It's got a flavor I, I wouldn't just find it smoky myself But it does have a flavor More so than like a Bud Light or something Right. Um almost like an asahi or something, kind of a kind of a vibe, which would be a lager. Yep. Or a well, that's a pilsner. S- Sapporo, something like that.
1: Yeah. Anyway um Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I love good. tumor pills. I mean I it's a summer beer for me. It's very refreshing.
0: I'm not gonna say I love it. I'm, it's kind of like a, a a European version of a everyday drinking domestic beer to me. But um yeah. So, uh, what, what's, let see, uh, we, we, what's our rating system? I gotta get out of, oh, I, okay, okay, let's see here. I have one, two, in my family, everybody yep. who is male, kind of older and male, is just known as uncle whoever, even if they're like a second cousin, they're just uncle whatever. Okay. I, pr- I probably got like 17 of them, they're just all <laughs> uncle something. So, okay. out of how many Bob's your uncle's? Are we gonna give these beers?
1: Let's do uh, f- let's do forty Bob's your uncles because your fortieth birthday.
0: Okay, we'll do forty. We'll do forty Bob's your uncles. So I'm gonna okay. give this uh, thirty-two bobs. Thirty-two out of forty. Thirty-two out uh, of forty bobs.
1: That's actually pretty. That's good. actually better than I thought you'd give it. Yeah, it's good. I'm Not gonna amazing. give this. Nice. I'm gonna give it thirty. This is gonna be thirty out of forty. Okay,
0: so it did grow on you.
1: It did grow on me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, like I said, I think you would give this a 22. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'd be a big fan of this. It's too right. sweet.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, whoop, let's dig right on into some news. <laughs> Reporting the news! <laughs> My news stories up here. So, I've got number one and this is from once again time so i'll give them some love uh okay. recently found out about this website a few episodes ago and man it is perfect for retro news i love it um there is a new game out called beeps escape and it's a lovely throwback to the days of the spectrum um what's cool about this game is it is a steam title um it's kind of like, anyone know, on Steam, you know, there's how many games you see on Steam that are modern PC games, but they are made to look like an NES game, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of them, yeah.
0: A lot of them, absolutely. So this game very much sticks to the aesthetic, color palette, color clash, and everything of a ZX Spectrum, Spectrum game, classic ZX Spectrum game. Yeah. Um, but it looks a whole lot more playable than a lot of those original ZX Spectrum games. Uh, but it's kind of a dizzy... You know, the Dizzy games that you and I, are, I think, are both not fans of. That's but, right. But it looks like the level design and the way it's made is much more playable. Yeah. Uh, less p- pixel perfect, more about the adventure and figuring out what to do than uh, how do I get my little guy underneath that tree limb without touching the spider right below it and dying 10 times in a row and being dead.
1: Yeah. I mean, they do really even emulate the color clash. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a ZX Spectrum game written with a zx spectrum emulator wrapped around it or something but it really looks exactly like a zx spectrum game
0: yeah but you can tell like the gameplay is much more forgiving smooth. and modern yeah and smooth and, and smooth but yeah yeah you're it's right it's really cool so beeps escape that's all i had to say about that one
1: I think it's pretty amazing someone wrote a game where everyone back in the 80s complained about Color Clash on the ZX Spectrum. So <laughs> now for, someone makes a brand for, new game that has Color Clash.
0: Except for 50% of the nerds in England at the time who swore it was the best thing ever.
1: <laughs> That's right. It doesn't really bother me. <laughs> when they were fighting against <laughs> Commodore 64 kids, they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't really bother me.
0: Yeah, with your ugly brown colors. Uh, this next one is from Tim. So, uh, Eric, if you could be Tim for this one.
1: Sure. Amiga OS 3.2.2 update just released by Hi- Hyperion. It adds some small cosmetic features such as an about box in the new text editor, chip revision info. If you're lucky enough to have a 68060 processor and support for older versions of Kickstart, which means 3.2.2 can now dual boot with older versions. And that's pretty key. If I'm, I'm going to bring this back around to gaming for Tim.
0: There we go. There um, we go.
1: That is important because older versions of Kickstarter are more obviously more compatible with older games. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't installed this. Um, The funny thing is I bought, that was the first thing I bought from RetroRewind.ca was a new Amiga OS Uh, chipset. I think it was just 3.2 at the time. Um, This is available to registered users of OS 3.2 doug our good buddy doug which i'm drinking out of a doug mug by the way as
0: as i'm oh no i'm not in this one sorry
1: (laughs) Uh, doug from 10 minute amigo retrocast uh, has already popped out a video all about it so um there'll be a link in our show notes taking you to his youtube his excellent youtube channel
0: or you can just go to youtube and look up amiga os 3.2.2 upgrade is it worth it isn't That's one of those perfect. clickbaity kind of titles except you'd have to know exactly what the heck you're talking about to be to be drawn in by That's OS right. 3.2.2. 2.
1: <laughs> and and uh, I'm going to pat my own back here. The whole reason I never installed the the 3.2 update, Cody, is that I knew this was going to happen that there was going to be a 3.2.1, 3.2.2, 3. 2. <laughs> 2. 3, yeah. so I'm kind of waiting this whole thing out and then maybe someday I'll pop them in but I'm like you in that aspect. I don't care about the new little features in Amiga. I want to play games on it. There we go. And whatever's going to be the most compatible for gaming is what I'm going to probably do. Um, But if I could pop a little switch in there and switch between them, which it looks like this is what this is supports it now, dual booting with older versions. Um, Now that that feature is there, I'm more apt to do it.
0: Like it. I like it. Um, unfortunately, this month I don't have a true news of the weird segment like I like to do sometimes. Um, I have one.
1: I have one. Do it's you? coming up later, so I'll let you know. Maybe.
0: Well, let's let's move it to the front, and uh, let's let's back to back it, and we'll make this a news 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 of the weird 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 segment. Okay. Cool. Um, and this is more news of the cool, but it's still kind of weird. But so
1: <laughs> okay. So
0: th- this has been released. Um, let's see. This is a book. And um, let's see here. <laughs> I'm trying to find the... the so the artist, Plastiboo, um, and I'm trying to get all the de- details here. Anyways, they created a game guide. Um, so this is a, a strategy guide. Mm-hmm. It's all handmade and printed, and you can buy the strategy guide. Apparently, people are loving it, and they are buying it. Uh, you can see the nice hand-drawn illustrations and experience, uh, you know, kind of a classic strategy guide going through learning all about how to do things in the game. Uh, Vermis. I don't know if you've ever heard of the game Vermis. Never heard of it. Um, but very cool. And it's a very Souls-like uh, strategy guide talking about all the the kind of lore and it, just the cool things that are going on in this game. Here's the catch. There is no game called Vermis. Um, this guy created a strategy guide going deep into the lore and mechanics and special things you can do within a game that doesn't actually exist. Uh, And people are buying (laughs) it up just to read a strategy guide. That's this well done, even though there is no, no game. Um, Now, what
1: would be so like (laughs) meta would be if they actually made a game based on the strategy guide. So someone, someone should take up the mantle and actually make the game. That would be, Dude, that would be something that would be, uh, you know, go into the uh, history of video gaming was the first time that ever happened. That would be pretty cool.
0: There you go. So, yeah, the the first uh, volume of Vermis sold the initial 1,500-copy print run out. Wow. So they're trying to print again, and now he's working on the volume two. But, uh, yeah, if you look at this thing, you can tell it's done in a way. There's no, like, screenshots or anything. It's all done very in a a game that is apparently very much like a Souls-like demon souls or, or yeah. bloodborne type of game. It's definitely got that vibe and that creepy factor and the, the lore and the like creatures.
1: The looks of the book look really right? well done. The art looks really great. It really is in graphics. Like you would see in a strategy guide. Um, and, it and- it it just it, it looks really really cool and i know people that have written books and self-published that didn't sell anywhere near 1500 copies so right. kudos for this guy
0: for sure for sure I, I i think if i saw it at the right price sitting on the shelf i'd pick it up just absolutely to, just to, it looks to, to really cool through it yep so let's let's jump around here what was your news of the weird eric
1: so my news of the weird is what now bad stuff on a clone super nintendo sold at walmart what so I guess what happened is a family bought a video (laughs) game console from Walmart and it was filled with porn and racist games. (laughs) Now, I read, I I did a little more research into this and what I thought might have happened is someone, someone bought it, reflashed it with these games and then gave it back as a return and it went back on the shelf.
0: I would have thought this was like Walmart.com, like when they do those Amazon type sellers that kind of use their,
1: yep. I mean, it it could have been that, but basically what happened is a guy went and bought this SNES clone. It looks like one of those little mini Super Nintendos, but they bought it from some weird warehouse. Walmart stocked a bunch of these. It had 800 (laughs) games on it. And uh, all the games are just like racist, uh, KKK, uh, pornography (laughs) games. Just to tell you, can you imagine... They
0: have a game called, instead of Super <laughs> Mario 2, they have a game called Black Man 2.
1: <laughs> yep. And the, and the game's home screen has the words, Kill Whitey.
0: <laughs> well, that seems like the opposite of Black Man I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, that's, um. I you know, for novelty purposes, I would love to get my hands on one of these and just go through it and laugh hysterically at what exists in the world.
1: All the stupid um, things on there, but that it, this made it to the mainstream. I mean, I can imagine getting something like this on eBay or Alibaba or something, yeah, but yeah. that this got to Walmart of all places. <laughs> um, it, I, I just found it like pretty funny.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good. News of the weird. All right. Anyways, back to reality here. Uh this is so I cool got one. the next one here, right? Yeah. Yes.
1: So this is now there has been a ton of great Pico Eight games released, and I think that probably next month I'm going to cover, um, maybe even do my segment on Pico Eight games. I'm not sure yet, but there have been a tons of really cool new Pico Eight games, and they are really pushing the limits of what Pico Eight can do. But this one caught my attention because it is called Age of Ants for Pico Eight, and um, I don't know how far you're going to get in here cuz this is one of those style games I, Cody's playing it here live on our on our little screen here but Age of Ants is kind of like Sim Ant if you remember that game or like um Age of Empires. Did you ever, did you play Age of Empires?
0: I've never played either of those games honestly.
1: Age of Empires I loved that game. That was back when I was working at Prima Publishing and like, that was installed on like probably 15 of the workstations there, and we would, after hours, have, like, giant Age of Empires wars, like multiplayer wars okay, on the yeah. land, and we would spend hours playing that. But this, crammed into Pico 8, it's called Age of Ants, and basically, it's ant-themed, but basically like Age of Empires. Um, so, I just thought it is amazing that they could squeeze something like that into Pico 8, and it looks like, the you know, it looks like a very cool Strategy. Age of Empire style game.
0: It's a, a um, real-time strategy, right? Real-time strategy. Yep. I'm gonna have to learn because yeah, I'm poking around at this thing and I'm not figuring it out instantly, but that's to be expected. It's a deeper game than just go. Did but you ever cool play
1: uh, Command and Conquer? That's another one of my nope. favorites. Command War- and Conquer, Warcraft. Red Alert, um, original Warcraft. Old... You you played which one?
0: The original Warcraft and Warcraft Two a little bit. I, I was always I was really into turn-based strategy. Yeah. So I was always kind of, I don't think I ever actually to this day have played a real time strategy. I typically have been turned off by the concept of being rushed, kind of like with you with a timer. Yeah. So I've always I was like, oh, it's real time and turn based. Oh, I don't like it. So I mean, that, I've, I that's unfair. Say, so I've never really given one a shot.
1: Yeah, I've I've um, steered away from them as an as a more mature gentleman. But when I was younger, I loved real time strategy games. Like I. I dug them. They were one of my favorite types of games. Well, maybe
0: I'll dig into my first one on the Pico 8. Yep. Uh, This is a quick little update and uh, piece of information our listeners may need to know about. I wish I needed to know about. I don't have one of these still. Uh, But if you've not used your Wii U in a while, go turn it on and plug it in and get it powered up now. Uh, It might be dead. So long story short, without getting into all the uh, information here... Basically, people are starting to realize that once they put these things in their closet and haven't turned them on for a a few years, by the time they turn it back in, the NAND, the NAND, corruption issue, will break your console. And Uh, you will just have a non-working paperweight. So, make sure you do that. That's all I'm going to say. If you want details, we have a link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, that sucks. I did see this article um, sometime during this month, and I was thinking that really sucks that's a poor design element of that machine i mean nintendo that's schedule that
0: obsolescence is what it is eric
1: yeah i don't i, I do don't want know one of those
0: that. i want i want a wii u but i don't need, I, I actually my...
1: don't have a wii u either and i've i've had the opportunity to buy them and now they're just getting they're they're in that zone now where they're getting yep. more and more expensive so yeah as anyway. soon as they
0: canceled them they really started to go back right back up i don't think it ever got below like 150 bucks they started yeah. going right back up
1: Yep. So here's this next one. Um, and mainly I just wanted to show you uh, the graphics on this thing. Um, so there is a Game Boy inspired RPG adventure by Derpy Do Designs. Derpy Do Designs. And it gets an early build. It's called Red. Um, this thing looks like a straight up like a Game Boy game, like yeah. the graphics. Uh, but you can play this in a web browser and it was designed to be played in a web browser um, but it has all sorts of really cool elements like um, like if you go let me go to the original site here and I'm going to tell you about this um, so you just play it right in the web browser but it has um, fishing farming you can mine for resources craft weapons and equipment oh, fight it's very monsters um, uncover a conspiracy and save the world. So it is totally like a little RPG adventure on, on, but you play it solely right now within a web browser and he keeps modifying it and fixing it and, and building it up free to play. Um, it's called red. The links are in the show notes. But one thing that I found interesting is I did see a message from the author saying that, if this game got popular enough, he would make a version for the real Game Boy. That would be very cool. Because this looks really cool. I mean, I, I think the graphics look a lot like a lot of fun.
0: I think you should just make a version for the Evercade and call it good.
1: It, yeah. yeah, and there it could be go. this
0: version. We just need to make a few input changes and make it make it on the Evercade.
1: That's right. That would be amazing.
0: Maybe we'll cover a Game Boy game on the Evercade shortly. Yeah, that would be. On the- <laughs> Next episode, by the way.
1: Next episode. We have six good Evercade games. Get prepared for that. Coming out March 30th.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's keep on moving here. Um, my next one here is about another book. I just got to keep covering video game books this time. Uh, Bitmap Books is making their next book, and they've been making very high-quality, nice art books that kind of... Uh, tell a story and look great at the same time yeah. uh, next they're doing the pc engine the box art collection so uh good opportunity to buy that and any other books they might happen to have in their back catalog that you have not purchased yet so bitmap books again is a uk publisher and they will be releasing this a little later here in 2023 the pc engine box art collection features over 300 professionally shot photos along with screens and a description of each title so i do like these
1: yeah i have four or five bitmap books and they're all super high quality very very well done all the pictures in the book are very well done um believe
0: i think i just have the one yep i have the commodore 64 one
1: and that's why I have that one. I have a ZX Spectrum one. I have, um, there's a couple other ones. I, I don't remember them off the top of my head, but I have a couple of them. They're they're great books. I did stop buying them for a while because I was realizing I wasn't reading them as much as I thought I would.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the issue is I love it and I look at it and hold it in my hand and go, this should be fun to read. And then I put it on the coffee table and walk away. Yeah. So, but they are nice. And if you actually do enjoy collecting those or actually reading them, which Eric and I want to do one day. Yes, this is. A, this looks like a good one.
1: <laughs> I'll read them in my in my retirement.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, next up, I have a shmup coming out for the fa- uh, the sh- Famicom. Hey, interesting, called Over Out. And what's amazing about this? Typically, again, I don't like to cover things that are not yet out. Even though I'm going to couple of cover a couple cover a couple of this particular news uh, segment. But this shmup called uh, Over Obj. I don't know why it says that Over Obj. It is a a developer in Japan, and they came out with this game for the NES, you know, the Famicom, whatever you want to call it. What's cool about it is they made this fake little uh, advertisement for it, Mm -hmm. and you'll see they did some really cool, neat tricks uh, with the NES. I'm not going to pretend to know how they did them, but this is a true bullet hell shooter on the NES, which typically can only have a few sprites on the screen at any one time. Right. And so I just want you to check this out here, Eric. First of all, you got the cool, like, grainy vhs uh video here <laughs> yeah. there it is over oj obj that's the name of the game um they need to come up with cooler names for these games but look at look at all, how many bullets and enemies are
1: flying around on little screens. explosions and uh yeah it looks like it, a like a saturn shmup it does it's got a lot going on uh, yeah they must have pushed the very limits of the famicom for to do this this looks really good
0: and I think it will be blinking a lot. You know, like in original NES games, when a lot's going on, it kind of blinks. because yeah, have a to, little like,
1: flashing. Yeah.
0: Yep, because there will be sprites at one point, and then the other sprites will be on the next frame. They go back and forth, so it looks like they're all there, but they're kind of blinking. I'm sure it does that a lot. It looks like it does, but yeah. uh, gameplay looks fast and furious and cool. So,
1: And I know that these are based on the 6502 chipset and... This is going to get a little nerdy, but back in the day when I was tinkering around with programming on the Commodore 64,
0: a nerd program. It,
1: I believe the, the limit that you could really do for sprites on the screen was eight sprites at a time on the Commodore 64. But there were tricks that I was just starting to learn when I just stopped programming because I wasn't very good at it. But there was a trick called multiplexing and you can multiplex sprites so that you could put eight on the screen and then put eight more, but you would basically flash them so that's why yep. the more you get on there it flashes so you can technically have 16 sprites on the screen when you're only, could technically only have eight by like alternating them yep. but you could do that within so fast that to the eye you couldn't really tell but anyway yeah anyway that's it
0: um Okay, Going to a little bit more of a, a dark topic, I would say.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I wanted to ask you, have you heard of Dark and Darker? I've heard of Dumb and Dumber.
0: <laughs> Dumb and Dumber-er. But no, I have not heard of Dark and Darker.
1: So I've been hearing about this, and it sounds very cool on paper, but I downloaded the demo. Now, I did download it on my Steam Deck, and... It it didn't run well. It was very clunky and hard to figure out how to control it. I think I would have had a better experience had I downloaded it to a PC and tried it out like my gaming PC. Okay. But the reason this is this is retro inspired, so this fits into our our theme here, our mission statement here on Pixel Garden. <laughs> so what Dark and Darker is that I know of here is it is a dungeon crawler that is multiplayer. So you can have more than one person in the dungeon at a time okay. and you have weapons and stuff. And then there, there'll be these NPC enemies that will come up to you and you kill them, but you can also see other players in the dungeon that are real players at the so same time. Online. So I think once th- this is an early beta right now, but I think once it gets uh, more mature, this will be a real contender to be a really cool game. But from what I played, it was very clunky, very difficult. I mean, I kept dying right away every time I was in the dungeon. Eventually, I just uninstalled it because I was very frustrated with it. So, <laughs> But it's something to keep an eye on the horizon because it looks like it's go- going to be a great game eventually. I don't know if it is now, but anyway, it's called Dark and Darker. You'll see a link on it in our show notes.
0: Yeah, they say on here, Just Imagine Skyrim, which I've <laughs> not played, but I kind of get the gist, mixed with Escape from Tarkov, which I've never even heard of. Yeah, so there you go. If that, that helps either. you, great. <laughs> darker and darker. Now, but I am intrigued. You got me intrigued. Uh, this yeah. one is just very quick. It is yep. very to the point. There is a UK realtor, uh, realtor, a UK retailer called Argos. 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 Anyone yep. in the UK can correct me right now. Just yell at your car stereo speaker. Uh, apparently, they have stopped accepting pre-orders for the Intellivision Amico. Now, the reason this is news. That means up until to, like today, they were still accepting pre-orders for the Intellivision Amico?
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's what that Dodge. means,
0: right? If this is a news item that they've just stopped, that means yeah. they were still taking them, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, good gracious. And I heard a few more things about the whole thing. Apparently, right now, uh, Intellivision and Mr. Tommy Tallarico are currently in... Uh, uh some kind of legal battle right now because they owe stupid amounts of money for the office furniture that they leased oh
1: wow <laughs> i didn't hear about that that's crazy I,
0: it was crazy because they released some of the numbers and so for their california office they had for 60 months they were supposed to spend three was that like thirty eight hundred dollars a month to rent the furniture they're renting oh jeez. good i mean how much was that furniture
1: yeah just go to ikea <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, right, you're a startup.
0: Office. Oh my goodness gracious! Can I
1: get can I get nerdy with you for just a moment? Get nerdy with me, Eric. So the UK retailer Argos. Do you know where the name Argos comes from?
0: The Greek god of fertility.
1: You're very close. Am I really? <laughs> so Argos sounded right. My one of my favorite books of all time is The Odyssey by Homer. Not okay, Homer yeah. Simpson, but by Homer. And I love that book. I've written, I've I've read multiple translations of it. I love the book, The Odyssey. And in the Odyssey, as you know, it's a journey, and Odysseus goes out and he's he's on the sea, blah, 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 and he comes back to reclaim his life and his wife, Penelope, right? Penelope. No. Penelope. Oh, I read it wrong. And uh when he comes in, his dog, his hunting dog, Argos, that uh-huh. his dog is named Argos is sitting on a trash heap and he's very sickly and thin and and Odysseus goes up to him and he feels really bad because he'd been waiting like all the suitors that came to 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 get Penelope had treated the dog very poorly and he was his he was Odysseus's prized dog like hunting dog so when he comes up the dog recognizes him even though he's in disguise and the dog wags his tail and dies
0: jeez what a great story! Brings You're a right. Tear. That was a great book.
1: <laughs> Brings a tear to Odysseus's eyes. Oh, don't worry. Odysseus goes in there and kills all the suitors.
0: There you go. There you go. Have <laughs> you? Seen Sorry, we're we're going off topic here, but uh, have you seen "O oh Brother, Where Art Thou"?
1: Hmm. Yep.
0: And you know what? You know why I'm asking.
1: It's been <laughs> a long time since I've seen it, but that was the one George Clooney in it, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, it's about like the American South and these. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Three guys running around, but ultimately it is the moot the the story of the odyssey done in a different
1: in modern you know, times yeah bo- i do well, remember that yeah, yeah.
0: Like early early 20s or whatever yeah yeah but it's it was great it's one of my favorite movies anyways speaking of shmups uh there's another <laughs> shmup also in the works for the sega genesis uh there's no name for it yet check out the show notes it looks really cool um the guy making the music for it is uh, Yuzo Koshiro, who is very well known in the retro video game industry. Um, but just to take a quick look, Eric, uh, look, look at this, look at this Genesis side scrolling gameplay. I mean, it looks at the screen is full of gorgeous pixel art. The yep. environments themselves are constantly, uh, you're able to destroy the environments themselves. There's Tons of cool looking enemies and sprites and neat patterns. It looks very much Genesis, but also very much, uh, you know, how did they do that on a Genesis kind of thing? I would say almost more like a Neo Geo shmup.
1: Yeah. It's got great parallax scrolling. So the background is, you know, moving at different paces than the front. Um, it, it looks like, um, I keep, I'm thinking salamander, like with the kind of, uh, alien. Like textures. Or,
0: oh, life for yeah, yeah, yeah. salamander. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, uh, it look it looks top notch, top notch, top shelf, exactly. So, so it doesn't have a name yet, though, huh?
0: It does not have a name yet. It does not have a name yet.
1: Okay, well, we'll just call it Schmup on Genesis to come.
0: That's what we will call it until Eric and Tim get together because they both had a great news item that they came up with together.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Tim pointed this out because uh, it had got lost in my spam filter. So Tim and I both had order have ordered the issue two of the ZX Spectrum Next machine. Um, and some news came out. So, uh, and the news is that they did, they, they had ordered everything to ship these, all the hardware to put these together and ship them, except they couldn't get the main chip, the main FPGA chip because of COVID mm-hmm. and chip shortages and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I, I just started getting tired of the news because this thing now is I don't I don't know the exact it's well over a year past it it's, it's oh
0: a lot much longer yeah
1: yeah much longer than that I don't know I don't want to besmirch them by saying the wrong time frame here but don't be a besmircher well, I'm not yeah I'm not a besmircher by nature but um <laughs> it's 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 been well over a year and frankly I'm just kind of. I don't want to say I got I've gotten sick of it, but I'm just like okay. Whenever I, I get the news, I'm just like okay, uh, whatever. I'll, you know, I, I've kind of written this off, and um, but they have good news finally in that they have secured the FPGAs. They're sh- supposedly on their way to their factory now. Once they get those, they'll be able to finalize the PCB, like put the chip on there and start actually putting them together and testing them. So they're still on track for, I think quarter three, 2023. So I'm Very hoping cool. by Christmas time, I should have one of these in my hands. Cody already that, has one. Uh, yes, I do. Yep. And, that, and another, I would another, love to have one.
0: Another thing I read on here, which makes me excited. Yeah. Cause I already have one and it's beautiful and it's sexy and I love it. Apparently there's a game coming out uh, called shovel adventure yes there is which i have not heard of that one yet so i'm excited and it and looks good if you scroll copies. down a little
1: bit like it's like kind of got an egyptian style theme
0: with the guy digging holes in a shovel yeah kind of a yeah. top down makes me think of what's that game oh mummy yeah yeah i don't know if that's the type of gameplay or not but that's what it looks like here but yeah it's gorgeous cool, cool, I, cool
1: like i Luckily, unlike Tim, I can actually play the ZX Next games because I have a mister and it has a great core for the ZX Next. Um, And the games I've played have been amazing. So I love the games and I'm looking forward to having it. I just hope the games keep coming out.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know me and you know I love retro inspired video games. And there's one coming out May 24th. Uh, you can check it out on Steam shortly. Here, I'm a big fan of the classic NES game Ninja Gaiden. Uh, in in part, uh, you know, a little bit of our show uh, show name was inspired yeah. by this this definitely. series. Yeah, and this is definitely an homage to games like Ninja Gaiden. Although this particular website says also kind of like Strider, another ninja yeah. game. It's going to be called Shattered Ninja, coming out on Steam looks gorgeous and it's also a metroid style game metroidvania if you want to call it that uh so ninja gaiden meets metroidvania there's been a few of these lately and they've all been really good so i'm excited to try that out awesome Uh, that's all i have to say about that it does and then this one as well um i don't necessarily need to click on the link here but We were just talking on the last episode about how the Taito Egret 2 Mini uh, Arcade had its first expansion game cart, if you will. It was just a small little SD card, mini SD card, and it was called uh, Mini Arcade Memories Volume 1. And Mm -hmm. I made a little comment. It's like, well, that would indicate that there's more coming, right? This is Volume 1. That's right. They have have announced that Volume 2 is indeed coming. Um, I'll click on it real quick and just see if they mention any games or not nope they just pretty much said yep we're getting number two coming here so um if you remember the first one came with slap fight twin hawk gekka and a number number of other games so
1: oh yes Gek- was it gekka reading i can never remember how to pronounce it but man that game is top notch top shelf i love that game
0: And it makes me want to buy this thing that much more that the little egret is available for sale. I want to say it's like 230 bucks. It's not cheap, but it does have that cool monitor where you can push it out and flip it 90 degrees and make it go Tate and then push it back in. So it's horizontal. It's Tate. It's expandable, has more games coming out regularly. Yep. Pretty, pretty cool little uh, option
1: there. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. So I have a client that pays me in PayPal I don't know why they're the only client I have in my in my business that pays me in PayPal.
0: Anytime a customer, like an actual business, wants me to accept or pay them in a weird online payment service, it weirds yeah. me out. I'm, I'm, it's a little sus.
1: No, I I totally agree. Now this client I've had for eight years, and they always pay on time, and they just like to pay in PayPal, and that's fine with me because what I did was I, I get this money in PayPal, and then I just I just. Use it to 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 pay stuff like retro stuff, pretty much. So it doesn't it's exist for. as far
0: as the family's concerned.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's off book. This is off book money. Um, but anyway, um, so I they they paid me like a month ago, and I got I think oh, it was two hundred or three hundred bucks or something, and I was this close to getting the Taito egret too. Oh, like you just pressed close. it. You just pressed it. And I wanted the trackball. They have a like a external controller that is a trackball and, yeah. and a rotary dial. Man, I wanted that so bad. I was like, okay, I'm gonna spend that extra money and get that. I'm going to get this. But I bought something else, and I'll show you that. Like that's coming up and catching up uh, right. in, in the next episode.
0: We'll find but out March 30th.
1: I just wanted you to know. I was that close, and I, I'm. I I I think I might get that in the future. I really want it. It's so. cool. It is cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, one more quick update. I wanted to click on this because we've been talking a little bit about the play date lately. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting more and more intrigued. Um, they're still not readily available, unfortunately. They're still back ordered. Uh, so, bad news and good news. We'll, so, we'll say the bad news they're raising the price.
1: Oh, they were and
0: already it, high. Th- and, this yeah. is
1: going to sound stupid, but like when I was contemplating buying that Taito Egret 2, yeah. I also looked at the play date.
0: And you probably would have bought the plate if it was available.
1: If it was available, but they did notice the price on it's quite steep, quite yep. steep already. So if the price is going up, that that's not good.
0: yeah, yeah. So I think originally, like originally, the idea was like hundred dollar handheld, and for that I'd buy it all day long. I'd probably pre order it,
1: dude. I wouldn't even wait. I'd get that today if it was hundred bucks
0: long story short end up actually selling for 179 mm-hmm. and now it's gonna be you know 199 it the price the price went up good news is it's still being supported um, they are moving on they're finishing up season one moving on to season two if you remember you 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 get yep. season one with the play date yep. and then you know it releases as weeks go by games just kind of unlock on it it's really cool yeah um, However, if you want to buy one, you can buy one before April seventh at the original one seventy nine price. So, if you've been waiting for one, you want one, and you're willing to put yourself in queue, go do it now. They are also opening a online catalog online store.
1: Oh, that, that's that's smart.
0: So, I'm not entirely sure how that works, but I think uh, <clears throat> presumably, if you get, I would I would say it'd be something to the effect of if you get a, a play date, you can you get like. Yeah, you know, whatever you want to call it, you'd get the the season two, and get things as they come out, and you can go back and buy individual games from season one, maybe something to that effect.
1: Yeah, and for um, people that don't know, what the playdate is it's basically a small handheld that has a crank on it. That's kind of the gimmick on it. Is it's black and white though? Yep. But it has a cr- crank that can be used for fishing games or or push and pull style games. Whatever, it's like a little gimmick, but. I, I got to tell you, they're pricing me right out of this because for a small black and white handheld, I understand the subscriptions and like you get the games for free w- after buying it. <clears> That's <throat> just too much. It's just too much for me. I don't I don't see myself ever getting one of these unless I find one on the used market.
0: If, I would probably buy one right now at 179 if I knew it would like ship and be here in a week or two okay. um, because they're, I looked at the games and the quality games and they really do look really good and you get them. Okay. Um so I I could see $50, $100 of value in the games alone. There's a really cool one that's coming out. I don't I can't see it now. I just I saw. What's cool about it too is they have kind of like the the Switch, they have like the Switch update videos, right? Okay. And they do the same thing for the Playdate where they kind of say here's some upcoming games for for the Playdate. Oh, that's cool. And they neat. talk to the developers and they talk about their games and you can see all the stuff but there's a really cool game coming up. It's like an adventure game, but the whole mechanism is all you can do is fish. So, like, you've got this hook that comes down on the screen. You have to kind of see it to understand it, but you lower and raise your hook on the screen and press left and right to move the hook around, and you move your character around by hooking them and moving them around the screen. It looks pretty cool. So, play date, still on my radar. Yep. Uh, I've got two more items here, and then... We will end the news for the day
1: and get a new beer.
0: Oh, this one's Tim, so I take it back. Eric, you cover this one.
1: <clears throat> okay, I'll read this. Um, I, I got to admit, I don't, I don't really recognize any of this. So I'm just going to read it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> for Tim, the FNX FNX one five nine one.
0: 1591. It's a Commodore peripheral, so we'll call it a 1591.
1: Yep. New creation of an IEC-based 3.5-inch floppy drive can be used with Commodore computers. This is a new 3.5-inch 720K disk drive available from C256Phoenix website and created by the developer Ste- Stephanie Allaire, who also creates the F256K modern 16-bit computer platform. And I have a what any of notes. that means. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of recognize the C two fifty six. That was like, um, wasn't that like the? Uh, God, I, I don't even know. I, I, I'm gonna just talk out of my butt here. So I'm not, I'm not even gonna attempt to. Well,
0: well long story short, I can tell you what I'm looking at. It, it is yeah. a, it's a very modern looking box. Yeah, it, it looks cool. It's got, it's white with some really cool like. Lines in it for for a, a presumably you know breathing <laughs> mm-hmm. so air airflow with some purple writing some really cool embossed uh, lettering there's a bright purple light bright green light but it is a floppy drive like a new floppy drive but on the back you've got Commodore 64 connections you've got the IEC connector yeah IEC ports two of those you've got um, your on and off switch which is a rocker just like on an original Commodore 64 you've got your barrel connector for power but then there's also a uh, USB plug on here. So new floppy disk drive. If you want to rock it old school, but three point, I guess it's still not very authentic because 3.5, they they did have 3.5 on the Commodore, but they did. Yeah. Cause I remember late. I sent the
1: 1581 to Tim, which is yeah. a three and a half inch drive. No, this is cool because it is cool to see new floppy drives for old systems because those fail. And then what do you do? So it's like, it's cool. But I know that the 256 Phoenix was a, I think it was an FPGA based like FPGA based modern computer that's retro, if that makes any sense. Okay. Kind of like the Mega Sixty Five or the ZX Spectrum Next. Um But anyway, so Okay, cool. That is cool.
0: Free book. Free book is the last item here. So if everybody on this show you know what? If you guys want a free book, Pixel Guidance got your back. And by that means uh, we didn't do anything. I'm just going to tell you where to go get a free book. Yeah. So, Gray Fox Books has released a number of really nice books, uh, including Atari, A Visual History, and Coin-Op, The Arcade Guide. Uh, unfortunately, they put a whole book together, a beautiful hardcover book. We're getting ready to release it for the Mega Drive, the Sega Mega Drive, otherwise known as the Sega Genesis, here in the States. And very unlike Sega, very like Nintendo, but very unlike Sega, they sent this company a cease and desist and for i think ever since uh, their kickstarter in 2021 they have this thing locked down and didn't know what to do with it and they said well we can either let it sit on the shelf and rot and nobody ever gets to use it or we can go ahead and give it away digitally for free so that's what they're doing so you can hop on down it's a 290 page long full color ebook covering the mega drive mega cd otherwise known as the genesis or genesis cd and 32x titles um Go ahead and check our show notes for, for the links on how to get yourself a free book.
1: Yep. And this this kind of bothers me. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute. Yeah. Because when I worked at Primo Publishing, we, we wrote strategy guides for video games. And oftentimes, yep. we would have officially licensed strategy guides with the company, with Nintendo, with yeah. wh- whoever. And we would write the strategy guides, and everything would be copacetic. But... We would also do unauthorized guides, which meant we got no permissions or whatever, and we would still make these strategy guides. And I think what happened is, yeah, we probably got cease and desist letters, and our army of lawyers would be like, hey, this is fair use. Screw off. We're going to publish the book anyway, and they would back off. Problem with this guy, he doesn't have an army of lawyers to do it. There's nothing yeah. You can do this. It's fair use, so it's a it's it's just it's tragic because a big company like Prima could just kind of tell All them the way no. around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just a matter of being able to afford lawyers enough to be able to push back on these guys.
0: Yep, yep. So, so unfortunate. Anyway. But a free book to finish off the news. Ultimately. Good news for us at this point, yep. considering that otherwise it would have sat in the shelf and done nothing. So, yeah, thank you very much. And maybe, maybe you go download the book and you like it and say, you know what, that was so good, and I appreciate it that I'll go buy one of the other books. Uh, buy just the to other say books, or you. just
1: reach out to them and try to buy them a cup of coffee or something or whatever. There you go. Yep,
0: Eric. That is the news, which means it's time for us to get ready for uh, our battle. Yes, and we get ready by drinking the beers. Yes so my second beer of the night once again i did find in my fridge now this i put there um, excellent an ex- and it's not the most exciting looking can but it is another modern times beer we've had some of these on the show
1: yeah we have perfect
0: in fact i think i had one last episode because i had that same pack in there but this one is called a dungeon map
1: oh dungeon map that's yeah. very appropriate that's pretty yeah. cool
0: you would think it would have a really cool can with like wizards and stuff on it it no, did not. No. It is purely an orange can that says modern times beer, West Coast IPA dungeon yeah. map. So I'm gonna go ahead and give that a shot.
1: That, um, that's cool. I like the name yeah. of it.
0: <laughs> I did too.
1: What so are you mine, sipping on? Mine is from Knee Deep Brewing Company, which is Ooh. local, I think, right?
0: That's yeah. right here in Auburn.
1: Auburn, yep. This in
0: one fact, is we drove by it with Tim. Oh uh, you I don't think you were there. We drove by it just to drive by it, didn't we? Yes, we
1: did. We did drive by. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. It's kind of an industrial area.
0: Yep. By the airport.
1: Tanilla. 6.3% alcohol by volume. It is the first beer ever created by Knee Deep and makes a triumphant return. This decadent vanilla porter is brewed with real vanilla beans to complement the rich coffee aromas created by roasted chocolate malt.
0: Chocolate.
1: Yes. All
0: right. All right. Let's go ahead and cheers, my friend. Oh, you got to pour that.
1: Let me pour this in here. Hold on, it's coming. It's going. It's going. It's going. Ooh, it's, it's, going. Got a, it's got a musty smell to it. Oh, it's got a nice, nice froth. All right, cheers. Cheers, this. Oh, yours got it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yours Ooh. is quite heady. Nice.
0: So, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain this. That
1: I took yeah. a sniff. Take a sniff.
0: I took a sniff up first, and it smelled the head of the beer smells like and there's no way to make the sound not gross, and it's not gross. Not used, but like fresh out of the bag cat litter. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that like grainy, I don't know, yeah. like with the little where it's all I like, know the
1: smell. It's all smell. like
0: gray granules, except there's a bunch yeah. of little blue ones sprinkled in there for some reason, like the freshener
1: yep. sprinkled. Funny thing is I know exactly, because I'm not a cat guy, but um, my neighbor, sometimes I'll watch his cat when they go on vacation. And when I'm cleaning the litter, I'm like, there's got this smell to it. The cat litter's got a smell. It's not a bad smell at all. It's just, it's like a dusty...
0: Musty, dusty, yeah.
1: Deodorant-like smell to it. It's very odd.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what this smells like. However, luckily, it tastes better than that. It's actually, for an IPA, it's actually not terribly hoppy. It's got some very... strong citrus notes. This um, one's got,
1: yeah, this one's got quite a bit of vanilla up front, which is not bad. And vanilla is great in a, in a beer or any other drink, but I can definitely taste the chocolate and coffee. Um, that is not a bad, it, no, it's, it, it, but it, I will say every flavor is very subtle, especially for a porter. Um, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Very smooth. Uh-oh. I see Cody on the webcam. He's he's lighting up some incense here.
0: Join you with some French toast goodness in the background
1: here. <laughs> yeah, all so right. this one's very smooth. Very. All, every flavor I mentioned is very subtle, which is good, unlike the French toast one I had. That maple syrup was right up front.
0: And this is a very good, drinkable, but very flavorful delicious ipa 33 bobs my uncles
1: 33 out of, 40. Out of, 40, out of 40, 40 bobs your uncles okay um
0: i dig it i dig it
1: i'm gonna give this one you know what? i'm gonna give this one a 33 is that what you said
0: yeah yeah That's what i went for I,
1: I think we're both on the same page with our beers are on the same page excellent excellent
0: And now for the final segment of tonight's episode, since I'm not going to put you guys through another four-hour episode of Pixel Guide In, we'll we'll hop right back in to Battle of the Systems. Battle of the Systems! (laughs) Right. Right. Eric, if yeah. you could go ahead and let everyone know again what games are being battled this month.
1: I'm going to introduce these games right now. So, on the Sega Game Gear, dun, 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 weighing dun, in dun, at 185 pounds, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we have Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble. <laughs> in the other corner we have super mario well i should say (laughs) there's less
0: gusto on this one
1: i know this one's gonna this (laughs) as the beer goes on this one's getting a little less uh (laughs) so this one is on the game boy the original game boy black and white this one is super mario land 2 six golden coins
0: Perfect, perfect.
1: I'm going to pull up my notes because I got dry statistics up the wazoo for these.
0: Give it to me dry, Eric, give it.
1: (laughs) Oh, that (laughs) sounded wrong. (laughs) We're going to lose our PG The
0: Stats, the stats.
1: Here's the stats. Um, So let's start with Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble. This game is a 1994 platform game developed by Aspect and published by Sega for the Game Gear. Unlike most Game Gear games, this one was published only for the Game Gear. It did not is, come is out. Why
0: we chose it? It was it was console exclusive, just as our competitive game was.
1: Yep, exactly. So, lost my screen there. Um, this one was developed was Aspect Sega. The directors were Katsuhiro Suhiro Hasagawa. I think I got. I think I nailed it.
0: I, that was good. That that sounded um, good.
1: Composer was Yayoi. Fujimori um it is the release date in japan was november 11th 1994 keep that in mind when we talk about the other game and for the rest of the world it was november 1994 which is the same so um it is a platforming game single player only there you go. You want to you want to start with that game to talk about?
0: Yep. Let's just go right into Sonic Triple Trouble. So first of all, okay. uh, didn't even think about this at the time, but this happens to also be the game that was recently fan recreated for the 16-bit uh, Genesis. Yes. Just recently, last month, and uh, so it has a lot of love recently. Actually, I, I don't. I take it back. It wasn't for the Genesis. It was done in the Genesis style for the PC. Okay. Um. So. Um, that being said, I was, I will say this is a true original 2d style Sonic, the hedgehog game, which very much emulates the gameplay of, you know, Sonic one, Sonic two, Sonic CD, um, Sonic three. Yeah. If you've played those games, um, which I know Eric is not a huge fan of, so he probably hasn't played much, which I made him play a Sonic game. So I have to laugh (laughs) a little bit. Um, (laughs) true, true, true. We'll talk about
1: that during my review.
0: Okay, there we go. So, in, uh, in in, you know, most people are very aware of Sonic, and uh, this does have the Sonic 2 um, press down and tab the, tap the button a bunch to, to do the spin up and shoot mechanism, where you can roll into a ball and shoot off the ground, so you don't have to wait for momentum, which is much appreciated in every Sonic after Sonic 1. And it was the first thing I did when I loaded this up is make sure it had that feature, and it did. Mm-hmm. Other you, than can that, hold,
1: you can hold up and hit the button, too, and do some kind of dash, right?
0: Uh, I've never held up, but I think we're talking about the same thing, ultimately, I believe. Yeah,
1: if you hold down and you hit the button, and the, the one interesting thing about this game is it's one button, which is great. The other which button I, does the same thing as the other button.
0: Which is, yes, all Sonics have, all three buttons do the, the action, the one thing, exactly. The
1: one thing, yep. But if you hold down, you do the Sonic spin thing yep. where he spins and then he haul, hauls butt in one direction. But if you hold up, he does a different kind of dash, which um, I used here and there. But ultimately, I, did I didn't know, know. What'd you say? I did not know that. That yeah. was news to me. It looks different. The animation's a lot different. He kind of sparkles. He sparkles Sonic. Well, I will have to try that now.
0: Okay. Um, having played a lot of Sonic, I will say it is in a good way, more Sonic. Um, it is definitely, the the screens are not going to be as fast as the Genesis. Uh, it is, you know, Master System hardware, essentially updated for the Game Gear, which is what kind of what the Game Gear is, is a Master System with more colors. Um, if you played the Mario, so- I'm sorry, <laughs> the, the Mega Drive, I can't talk, Master System Sonics, uh, it has a similar feel to those, um, very mm-hmm. much so. Um although I'll say what's cool about it is the fact that it is original to the system and can only be played on the system except for now the new fan game and it has new levels and the levels are kind of specifically made to the fact that it has a smaller screen which is which is nice which which is the same with the master system version as well but right. um Yeah without going too much further than that Eric what, what as a Sonic non fanboy, anti Sonic fanboy, yeah, how did you feel about this game particularly, and in, uh, in by itself, and also in relation to any previous Sonic experiences you've had?
1: Yeah, so the my first impressions of this game were good in that it is an old school Sonic game. <clears throat> um, it is a two dimensional Sonic game, very smooth, very fast. Even though the game gear is more aligned with the master system. These graphics look better than master system. They look more Genesis to me. I don't know if you agree with that. They are impressive. They're very impressive. I mean, and the, the, the sound and music is very good in this game too. Very bright, very colorful. Um, I, I, I I was this game and I've played a lot of game gear games lately. Um, It is one of the best games on the game gear. Oh, wow. I I mean, I I really think it's one of the best games. Um, It pushes the limits in every way, sound graphics, uh, the speed of the game. They really went all out and, and made a Sonic game that rivals a Genesis game on a handheld. That's the way I look at it. All right. Because if you look at Sonic on the on the Master System, because there is the the Sonic the Hedgehog on Master System. Yes. He looks kind of tall and skinny because that's the way they had to make the sprite, and the graphics really aren't all that smooth on there. I mean, they're they're pretty good. But this game looks really good. This game looks, like I said, aligned more with Genesis than um, the Master System. So those are my first thoughts on that game. Um, when you first start the game, you can play as Sonic or Tails. And from my research, what I realized was that a lot of people say that if you play with Tails, it's kind of the easier mode. That and makes
0: if, some sense. Okay.
1: Yep. And then if you play with Sonic, it's kind of the normal mode. If if you give that tails has a few advantages in that, like in the underwater things, he he's in a submarine um, that can do different things. Um, He can do other little tricks that Sonic can't. So people were saying that if you want an easier experience with the game, then you play with tails. I never actually played with tails. I just kind of played with Sonic during my playthroughs, but it's something that I'd kind of like to go back and try. So, um, so real quick, I did pull up the Master System
0: Sonic gameplay. Yep. yep. And I will say that they, honestly, look good. They, they both look really good. Yeah. Um sorry to interrupt what you were about to say, but one thing no. I did feel when I was playing the Game Gear Triple Trouble, even though it's it's on uh it's a later game and mm-hmm. uh so this one was released in ninety one. Uh the Game Gear was in ninety four, so three years later. I would say that the gameplay itself felt, um, it was harder to control than I'm used to in a Sonic game. Yes. It was kind of like a hitch. I agree. You do something and it would take a second and then all of a sudden it would happen. I wouldn't say it was necessarily like, um, almost like emulation lag in a way, but it was kind of like you'd press a button, wait, and then all of a sudden he'd shoot in that direction. And I never got used to that. And I'm watching the speed of this original Master System game, so it makes me almost believe that like, to make it look as good as the new game does, it was making the system lag a little bit, if Correct. that makes sense.
1: I, it does make sense. Um, <clears throat> so a few more things about this. Um, there are several levels in this game, just like any Sonic game. Uh, Great Turquoise, Sunset Park, Meta Junglina. Robotnik's Winter, Tidal Plant, Atomic Destroyer. Those are some of the names of the levels. Um, in this, Sonic can get kind of like vehicles. <laughs> They're like snowboards. Um, there's like a jumping pogo stick thing that he can get on and yep. bounce around on the levels. Um, I
0: never got the hang of, hang of that uh, spring pogo stick thing because it disappeared as soon as I got it. I'm like, oh, cool. What? A- oh, it's gone. <laughs> so like If you don't yeah. use it right right away, it disappears, and I never yep. figured it out.
1: There are interesting boss battles in this game. Um, but other than that, it's a traditional Sonic game, and I don't mean that in a bad way. If you love Sonic games, especially the old school ones, like on Genesis or, Ma- or Master System, you're going to really like this one. This one is, is everything most people like about Sonic games in a handheld that is very smooth and very well done.
0: I will say, and there's some speed there, but I will say the flow of a typical Sonic game, like typically in earlier levels, you can just hold forward and jump around a bunch and go get really going really fast and kind of get into this flow. That doesn't really happen in this game. It's not fast enough. Right. Um, That being said, every Sonic game I've played, I've enjoyed because of the level design. And typically after that first level, or should I say, first zone? That speed, that flow, d- isn't really there after that point because it makes for an easy level and therefore not terribly engaging gameplay. To be honest, right? Um, so I don't think that's necessarily an issue, but you will notice that there's no, that there's not nearly as much speed or flow to the levels as there is on the, Sen- the Genesis or even the Master System versions. Yep. Um, but I think everything you said is very fair. It is more Sonic, and in, in a good way. Yep. Um, I would <laughs> say because of the the game control, the control of the gameplay and maybe a little bit because of that lack of flow, um, this to me would fall fairly well short of the Genesis, any of the Genesis offerings. Mm -hmm. And I would say even probably a little short of, even though graphically it looks much more interesting and gameplay wise, there's a lot more variation than the master system one. I just feel like the small screen really makes it feel less engaging. Yeah. And so for me, this is going to be kind of a middle of the road Sonic game, which is still a a good game.
1: Yeah. And one, one more nitpicky thing I wanted to, to talk about was, and maybe you can correct me here because I played this on original hardware on the game gear. Um, I could not find a way to save on this game like when you finish a level Sonic's don't. Yeah, so there's no save game and when I did a little research into this, there's a lot of people that can beat this game in 3 to 4 hours, so I can see why they may not include a save on that because there's only maybe 3 or 4 hours of content. Um but I I I couldn't find a way whereas the Mario game, in contrast, had a very nice Save to the cartridge on the Game Boy. So I think you could literally play for like five minutes and then beat a level and then go walk away, come back and leave where you left off.
0: Yes. And I, and I, while I agree that's a nice feature, I, it wasn't expected at this time. And, you know, well, maybe at 94, by the time it was 94, it wasn't, but.
1: Well, yeah, the Game Boy one came out before that, right?
0: Yeah. Most Sonic games don't. Um, which is why when they came out with Sonic Mania, the new one that was yeah. released, fan kind of fan game that became, say, an actual Sega game later. Yeah, I love the fact that it's a f- huge, fully fledged two bit or two D Sonic game that saves as you beat things. It's that's huge.
1: Yes, agreed. And and <laughs> this is kind of a joke, <laughs> but <laughs> you. If you could play this game all the way through, would the batteries st- yep. <laughs> would the batteries you're- live that long? Because three to four hours, you're pushing it for batteries on the on the Game Gear.
0: <laughs> that is right, kind of a joke, but not a joke. It's funny because my Game Gear again, it I couldn't get it working for this, so I had to emulate this, unfortunately, which is a huge bummer. Yeah. Um, but I actually do my my Game Gear did come with that gigantic battery pack.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah, which you I've literally.
0: Yeah, because the Game Gear takes six AA batteries. It does. And that battery pack, I think you literally shove in, it's like 15 or something. It's like a crazy amount of batteries. Oh, wow. It's like, yeah, it's just a huge heavy pack. In fact, I haven't even opened it to this day, but it's heavy. So I'm pretty sure there's batteries in there from like the 90s still. and They're,
1: <laughs> they're all like rotting. And I'm
0: sure it's just dust, oozy. like white dust at this point. But
1: yeah.
0: um. What is cool is my Game Gear did come with almost every Sonic game for the Game Gear. So I have I have the physical cart. I was ready to play with it. I'm all I was all excited, but um, yeah. Ultimately, this playthrough is uh, looks like he this this player played through the whole game in an hour and 20. Let me see. Hold on. It's where, we of course we hit a commercial right when I needed to know the the timestamp here. Right. Um,
1: I was reading online most people take about 3 3 hours with it.
0: Yep, I think if you just started it and you didn't know it extremely well like this person does, you're probably about right. But yeah, they played it through yeah. in an hour, one hour, start to finish. So yeah, it's very doable in that time frame. And again, most Sonic games, when I when I got good at Sonic 1 and 2 on my Genesis, every time I played it, you'd get to the very end and either beat it or not beat it at that point. But either way, you played for an hour. Okay. That's kind of expected, so.
1: Okay. Fair um, enough. Fair enough.
0: So out of... Let's see. What are, the, what are the screens on these systems? Aren't they only like 120 by 120 or something?
1: Something like that. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head.
0: Out of 120 pixels squared, okay. <laughs> what are we going to give Sonic Triple Trouble?
1: You want me to go first here? Sure. All right.
0: And this so is your, a- your rating, obviously. We're not comparing this to other Sonics. This is your rating. Yep. What? How much do you like this game?
1: So I had more fun with this than I thought I would. Okay. But we've talked about this. I don't understand Sonic games. I don't understand like the 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 allure to them. And I love Sega. Like I'm a big Sega guy. Like I love Sega the company, but man, I I just don't get it. This game minimizes the things I don't like about Sonic in that like in most so- mainstream Sonic games, they're very fast and you can't, you feel out of control through the level a lot.
0: That flow I was talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: don't like that because it doesn't feel like you're doing anything other than making like left and right decisions. Like, okay, I'm going to go down this way and I'm coming off this thing really fast. I'm going to go this way. I, it, it doesn't, it's, it's like playing The Last of Us or Uncharted or something. Like it's just cut scene and then a, a decision to make.
0: Again, I really think that is kind of for the visceral thrill, but after level one, if you let yourself get into Sonic, I think you would actually really enjoy the moment to moment gameplay because it becomes a platformer after that.
1: Okay. It really does. Um, So, anyway, rating this game out of what I would say 120 pixels, I'm going to say, I'm going to give it 85, 85 out of 120. That
0: is interesting. That is exactly what I was gonna get it. Give it. Really? Okay. Yep. Good. So 85 out of 120.
1: 85 out of 120. I'm gonna write that down so we don't forget.
0: Sonic Triple Trouble, which means it's time for me to start pulling up video while you pull up some dry stats.
1: Yep, let's get some dry stats going on Super Mario Land 2. Now six golden.
0: Now keep in mind, we did this on the Game Boy.
1: We did this did on the we Game not. Boy. That's right. Not the that's Game Color. That's what's weird about this battle is that this came out. Well, I'm going to start with the release date so you can contrast it to November 94. This one came out Japan, October 21st, 1992. North America, yep. November 2nd, 1992. Um The EU, like Europe, is January 28th, 1993. Um this was developed by Nintendo R&D 1, which is so an internal development group within Nintendo. Um, this was not. Um, let me let me look here. So the producer of this was Gunpei Yoko. You always mess up his Yokoi. last name. Yokoi. Um,
0: who created the Game & Watch, who created the yep. the yep. Uh, Game Boy. Did not he and create course, also the Wonder Swan? Eventually, he did. He yeah. also created the uh, was wasn't not the Virtual Boy as well.
1: I think there was this like kind of last or or one that he yeah I read some story that he didn't he come out with that and then he just felt really bad about it and yep something to that effect something that I don't remember what happened after that but. um so anyway, it publishers, Nintendo, of course, um, it is in the Super Mario series. It is on the original black and white old school Game Boy It's a platformer, single player game. It is a 1992 platform video game developed and published by Nintendo for the original Game Boy. It is the sequel to Super Mario Land, which was on the Game Boy as well.
0: So Super Mario Land. I'm assuming you're done there. Sorry. Yes. Yep. Super Mario Land the first one yes i played that one on my friend's game boys a lot of people had that one Mm -hmm. and it was have you played that eric or seen even seen it i have yes i have so it is interesting because i have never actually played this game i played the other one and mario is made up of like seven pixels on the game he is very very small
1: yes he's very Um, small and the graphics are very rudimentary compared to this game that we're playing
0: yep so this game to me is very much Mario Three, the Game Boy game. Um, I mean, completely yep. different levels and um, a lot of differences. But as f- far as the way it looks, it looks amazing.
1: It, um, the graphics are amazing on this game, and I'm gonna for a Game I'm Boy gonna,
0: for a Game Boy.
1: Yeah, for the Game Boy. Now, I will tell you the truth. I played the hack that is out. So the hack adds color to this game and kind of smooths out some of the chugging. Um, when it when there's too many things on the screen, um, the hack just makes this color. So you can play it on the I played it on the my little Pokemon Game Boy Color here, but mm-hmm. um, I played the the ROM hack which just adds color to it, and it looks really really good.
0: All right, so you cheated.
1: Not, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I did play I I played the original black and white one for a little while, and then I decided to try the hack out. It's called DX. If anyone's looking for it.
0: So you say it's a hack, but was that not also released actually for the Game Boy Color as
1: well? I don't know. It's it's a, it is a it is a hack of the game that somebody released for the Game Boy Color. That is okay. a full color game, but you can look it up. It's called I'll Super Mario Bay. Land Two Six Gold Coins uh, DX.
0: DX. Yep. Um, so first and foremost, yep. This game again, it plays a lot like the basic gameplay is a lot like Mario Three. Down to which I think is super cool, the fact that you start an open world map where you can go to anywhere you want, at anywhere any you time. Want, yep. Which is
1: and there very are six cool. six zones. So turtle zone, Mario zone, uh, what is that? Macro zone, pumpkin zone, tree zone, and space zone.
0: And each of these zones have kind of a well, for the most part, each of these zones have kind of a gimmick. Uh, that you kind of have to play with like uh the space zone is you have these mega super jumps right because gravity right right and then um i'm trying to remember there's that zone um i can't remember what zone it was where there's these gray bars through the screen that were kind of like water hanging there and when you hit those you kind of had to swim through it uh, which made it interesting um there's mario zone there's big zone of course which is very cool it's very much like on mario three world four where everything is massive and you're the small guy that's like the macro zone right macro zone yep yep we just call it big land or big world or whatever when we played on super mario 3 yeah um but there are again you can be fire mario you which shoots fireballs kind of down at an angle just like regular mario yeah um instead of like the raccoon suit or the tanuki suit you've got i don't even know what the suit is but you get these two little like bunny ears
1: yep so what it is is you, around the levels you find a carrot and he turns into rabbit ears mario or whatever and he can flap those ears and if you f- press the button he can float can't really fly but he can float
0: however i will say the game that almost breaks the game because okay. you can get that bunny soup suit a lot of places, and a lot of levels, you can just basically float through an entire level without touching anything. Now, that is true to a lot of Mario games. That's true. Yep. However, in this particular game, I would say that it is a huge advantage, because in each world, there's only like four four actual levels, mm-hmm. and you can probably bust through half the game just using that suit. Um, I'll get this out of the way now. This is a very easy game. Okay. It is very easy it's definitely made for the small screen and I did play it again um, on on this one I had to play it uh, emulation I, I guess it no I didn't I, I take it back I played this one with my evercade on a, a, a Game Boy Advance but with with an Evercade. okay and um, the issue with the way I played it is the evercade does not is not able to do battery saves with this game the one I have.
1: Okay. And you're talking about the EverDrive, not Evercade.
0: I always say that. Yes, the EverDrive. I'm sorry. I no, apologize.
1: it's okay. I'm all right.
0: The EverDrive. Uh so the bummer about that is I've played a lot of this game in like hour long chunks and like feel like I almost beat it multiple times, but every time I turned it off and I'm like, I hope it saved, and it never saved.
1: That's weird because um, I have the Crix EverDrive for my Game Boy, my my regular Game Boy. Yeah. It does saves. Does saves just fine. It's
0: your mine's an X three. What is yours?
1: I'm going to pull mine out right now because I'm looking at it right here. Mine is, come on. Uh, it's from Stone Age Gamer. It just says EverDrive. It doesn't really say what it is.
0: I'll have to look at mine again. So mine doesn't do it, and I looked it up, and that's a, no- a known problem okay. with my particular one, I guess. But Yeah. Um, so I more or less beat the game, but I never beat the game because you actually have to beat all the worlds and kind of.
1: You do. I have to you. find the six golden coins. <laughs> yep.
0: But each time I got like two or three coins and, in like 30 minutes. Like it is an easy game. Yeah. And then I watched a video just to confirm. And sure enough, once you get all six coins, which again should in theory take like maybe an hour, uh, if it was saves, it should be super easy. And then there's just kind of like one last level with a boss fight, and that's the game. So um, I would say the moment-to-moment gameplay is very cool in this. I would say there's a lot of very unique gameplay elements where they kind of mix with the Mario mix the Mario formula up a, l- a little bit and make it make you get creative um but if you are any what somewhat of an experienced gamer you're going to finish this pretty darn quick um and you're going to enjoy every minute of it but it'll just be minutes <laughs> yeah that's kind of what I'm getting from it
1: now i suck at mario games i never i never played mario games back in the day so i don't have that experience to draw from um, but I'm, they're starting to grow on me because, like last year, I beat Yoshi's Island. Love that game. So I'm getting better at these games, and I was able to get through three or four levels on this in the limited time I had with this. I didn't play it all that often, but I do feel like I could have beat it given if I spent more time with it. Um, one thing that was really cool I found that was really unique in this Mario, in this particular Mario game. Is that when you get to the end of a level, you can ring a bell, and if you do ring that bell before you go in through the exit, you get to a bonus level where it's kind of like a slot game or something. It's so some got, kind of game you get to play, and you get a free bonus of whatever. It's a uh,
0: it's the, um, the little grabber. Like you get the toy out of the the grabber yep. goes down tries to grab the toy.
1: Yep. Well, that's one of them. There's some other ones, too. There's some other little bonus games that they have. But you don't have to ring the bell. You can just go on to the next level if you want to, but you don't get the bonus.
0: Just like any Mario game, um, you will end up with, like, 29 lives, and losing a life is not really that big of an issue. And even if you lose all your life, it's like, do you want to continue? And you just continue. The lives on the Mario games are, like, almost humorously pointless, Um, but they're still fun. I still have to go out of my way to get every coin and try to get free lives, even though they don't mean much. Right. Um, I I would say, I would say, yeah, that that's true. Now, one thing I have to ask Eric, and I feel bad for not pointing this out, knowing that you're not huge into Mario or didn't have a huge history with Mario.
1: Yeah. No, I think
0: every gamer who's grew up with Mario, uh, subconsciously knows this, but probably won't even think about it because it's just natural to us. But you have to hold down B the entire game.
1: To to, to run fast.
0: Yep. You, just, you always hold B, and you just roll your thumb onto the A button to jump every time. You never don't hold B. I,
1: I That's do, just kind of part of it. I do know that, and honestly, I kind of resent that. I kind of think it's a dumb part of the game that, that is unnecessary, but is there nonetheless.
0: In theory, if you wanted to like, do some very slower like specific jumping to make sure you hit platforms that would make it easier by not holding b yeah but yeah for the most part everyone just holds b and you just get used to it fast like that i don't disagree with you that that probably should have gone away eventually but that is the case i want to make sure you were at least playing with the right physics
1: yep i did know how to do that i learned that a long time ago when my wife was playing mario because she is very very good at the first mario (laughs) game super mario bros or whatever um She's very good at that game. And she 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 and that's from way back. I mean, that's a mechanic from way back. So
0: see, like in this gameplay right here, he's jumping in between all these buttons. He could fly through this whole level. There's he has the, the he rabbit did, ears. He doesn't, he doesn't have to, do to screw around this. with these
1: guys, yeah. No.
0: He can just fly over the whole thing. I don't know what he's even doing. I mean <laughs> if the game is broken in a way that's gonna help you, why not use why not abuse it? But um, lots of tubes to go down, uh, lots of really cool looking enemies, solid game. I, I really have very little to complain about aside from my personal setup, which didn't allow me to say, but that's my fault, not the games. Um, yeah,
1: this game it's is short
0: though. It's very short.
1: Yeah. This game is very, very good graphics for a game boy. I mean, if, if you're said, not even into Mario games, you should load this up just to look at the graphics. They're amazing.
0: That being said, mm-hmm. I, I must say that Sonic Triple Trouble beats it in graphics. Sure. Triple Trouble looks, right. looks amazing. Well, yeah, yeah. Not just for a game. Yeah, for It looks amazing. It's an yep. amazing looking game uh, where this is good for a Game Boy or, or great for a Game Boy.
1: Oh, another um, thing that this do, this one does, which isn't in all in every Mario game, is it does have mid level checkpoints.
2: Yes, There's a it does. bell,
1: and you can ring it. And if you do, then you if you die, you don't go back all the way back to the beginning of the level. You go to the middle, and I appreciate that.
0: My bell,
1: yeah,
0: ring my bell, my bell, <laughs> my bell. Um, that's Mario. I mean. Yeah, there's a lot we could talk about because there's a whole lot of like, I mean, a lot of creativity and differences in the game. The truth, though, is if you're going to play through the game and save, you're only going to see those things once because the levels are so easy. Yeah. There's, a, there's a level where you go into these bubbles and you have to like, it almost becomes like a shmup without shooting. You kind of go up and down to avoid things while you're in your bubble so you don't get your bubble popped. Yep. Um, like you mentioned, there's like submarine things. There's like uh, obviously different you can be fireball you can be the, the rabbit guy there's a bunch of other little suits you can get um there's these special stages where i forget what they call this it's it's a traditional japanese game where there's a ladder um think amadar the game the arcade game amadar yeah where you have to pick a location at the bottom of the ladder and the spark takes every turn as it goes up the ladder you'd have to see it to understand it or or have played amadar and i'm talking about and you get the prize at the end um there is. It is a very Japanesey game in the way that it's not purely Mario lore. There's a lot of um, characters like the umbrella spirits. You know what I'm talking about? The parasols that have like mouths. Yep. That you see in a lot of Japanese games, which I believe is from like Japanese lore. Um, so I'd say it's a little more Japanese than a traditional Mario game. It typically is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's solid. It's fun. It that has a very similar viewpoint to sonic triple trouble and that you're very close to your character and everything around you so you don't get a whole lot of uh, landscape to look at while you're figuring out what's coming up next but um, solid Mario
1: title yep I was looking through uh, my notes but I think that's about it oh one thing to, to note about this game is that the end end of game boss that you fight is not Bowser he's not well, in this game that's true this game is the first introduction of Wario.
0: Oh, Wario, with your crooked mustache. The,
1: no spoiler alerts here, but he is the last final boss that you fight. It is the first draft of the picture of Wario, so he looks a little weird. You're not going to... He doesn't look he's, like the traditional Wario. I mean... It's, he's
0: identifiable, though.
1: Yeah, he's identifiable. You can tell it's Wario, but it's not the one you're used to. So Certainly. that makes it very cool. Now,
0: there he maybe is. you can help
1: me here, Cody. The guy who made Mario, who was that guy? What was his name?
0: His name is, oh, good gracious. You would have to ask it right now. But, um,
1: but the thing is, he wasn't involved in this game. This is the first Mario game he was not involved in. That, I remember reading about that.
0: Gosh, you're killing it. I can see his face and everything.
1: I want to say Sh- or
0: Shigeru Miyamoto.
1: Yeah, there you go. Shigeru Miyamoto. You. Yep.
0: You, you, you triggered it.
1: So this was the first game he was not involved in, and it's surprising because it's very Ma-
0: Miyamoto esque.
1: This is more than than Super Mario Land, the first one. This is this oh, seems yeah. more Mario than that one does, even though he was involved in that other
0: one. Super Mario Land, the first one, is more akin to a a demake of the first Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, as so, opposed to this game, but, which is more of a black and white Super Mario Three.
1: Yeah. Exactly. But
0: with but but it's actually more like Super Mario World because Super Mario Three doesn't even have that that open of a world. This is a very open world.
1: Right. So i found I found that little fact interesting. I'm glad you could fill in the name because I was gonna remember his name. Yep. Which yep. I should have put in my notes, but I didn't. But um he was not involved in this. Um so I found that interesting because it just seems like a it seems like he was. So yeah, I will say really Ascent did a good job of, um, and I keep saying Ascent, and I'm, that's not right. That was R&D 1. That was Sonic <laughs> 1. That was the Sonic game. Um, yep. But the developer, R&D 1, Nintendo yeah. r 1, really did a good job of mimicking his design and stuff like that. And uh, if, you, if you guys load this game up, it looks amazing.
0: All right. So what it comes down to, though, Eric, yep. is out of 120 pixels squared, yes. what are you going to give this game?
1: Am I going to go first here?
0: I'll go first this time. Go ahead. This one is hard for me, but ultimately when it comes back to it, which one would I rather come back to? Yep. And I'm going to give this one a 92 out of one. Nah, I'll go higher. 96 out of
1: 120. 96. All right. I did enjoy this game much more than I thought I would because I don't like Mario games that much. Um, but I had a lot of fun with this game.
0: Kind of retro gamer, are you? No Mario, no Sonic. I don't know.
1: Cur- uh, I cur- play or Mario die. games. I'm just not good at them. But I'm coming around. Yoshi's Island, I love that game. That was amazing. Um, I'm going to rate this a little bit higher. I'm going to give this 105 out of oh, 120. Whoo-hoo! Yep, 105. I'll I liked die. it much better than Sonic. There we go. So the we Game Boy beats battle. the Game Gear. Look at that!
0: Although you cheated and used the colored like fan mod, but
1: I did. But you should try that. It looks really good. I
0: think I'll actually play this whole game all over again, actually with saves, completing it with the with the DX colored version. Yes, do that I will come back to this one. I don't know if I'll come back. I think I will try Sonic Triple Trouble, the new fan port made for modern PCs. Because for me, the biggest issue with yeah. that game is the control and the fact that you're so close up, it's kind of hard to see what you're doing. Gotcha.
1: That makes sense.
0: Speaking of making sense, uh, yeah. Pixel Eye Guide in is coming to a close, sad Yeah, but true, uh, for the March, 5th, or March 15th, 15th episode. 15th, yep. Yes, episode yes.
1: 101.
0: Episode 1. No, 102, my friend. 102.
1: Remember, are we going to one? Are we doing, doing that? Because we're going to one hundred B, and then we're going to mess right things up.
0: We got to skip one hundred one is a figment of your imagination, Eric.
1: So we're not even going to have a one hundred
0: one. What are you talking about, man? That's like a a mythical. <laughs> that's, I don't know how, where I'm going with this. The, the right. Illuminati. The Illuminati know what's going on with one hundred one. No one else needs to know. Okay, that's um, fair enough. Fair enough. Episode 102. So episode 103 we'll be doing here in just 15 days. You'll see that on March 30th. I'll figure out something for Cody's Corner, I think um we of course are going to have tim hop on i've got a game show prepared already
1: man i was hoping that you would do what you said in the notes
0: which is uh oh yeah no i i couldn't think of something quickly so i put put that in the notes for the time (laughs) being what would that be eric i can't quite remember what i put in the notes
1: you said and this is something i was really looking forward to you said you were gonna (laughs) fart for five minutes
0: cody farts into a microphone for five minutes that's that was cody's corner according to the notes no, uh-huh. I have not figured out what gaming-related okay. uh, topic I want to cover, but it is not farting into a microphone. <laughs>
1: fair enough, uh, fair enough.
0: <laughs> And we are going to cover six good... Eric's excited about this one. Tim's excited about this one.
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah, yep. Six good Evercade games.
0: Six good Evercade games, which gave us a good excuse to lock into some Evercade games. I have focused mainly on one I've been wanting to play for a long time, so good excuse for me to play it but i found another one i definitely want to talk about as well you'll find out next episode and of course we will catch up on what we've been up to the last few days yes until next time though eric please remember it's it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone thank you again for listening you can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguide.com Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's duh project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's ODDBA1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.